available in more homes than the Pac-12 Network. We are the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes, Miles Jack! And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com. Liner, going to try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown, SC! We are the Podcast of Champions. Welcome back, everyone, to the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the Scout 247 Network. And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com, the USC site on the Scout 247 Network. And we are the Podcast of Champions talking Pac-12 football. We're going to recap week six. We're going to preview week seven. We got some breaking, literally breaking news to talk about at the top. If you want to tweet us, you can do that at Pac-12 Podcast. You can email us, pac12podcast at gmail.com. Uh, our website is pac12podcast.com and our voicemail, which we've been getting steady amount of voicemails, Dave, 641-715-3900, extension 734-972. We've got a Cal fan that called in this week, Dave, so I'm pretty wow. happy about that. That's incredible. Are either one of those phone calls from uh, Gary Anderson <laughs> uh, providing any kind of explanation? Or You know, I know, just know he's got a lot of time on his hands now, uh, maybe just wants to let us know what's going on this is crazy uh gary anderson and oregon state have mutually parted ways um uh which is like a crazy way for this to happen first nobody would have expected him to be fired at this point in his tenure at oregon state even given how bad the season is going he just like that he walked into a kind of a, a tough spot and uh whatever he is in two and a half years now that's not enough time to fix it um but it sounds like this was more of a hey, i'm kind of done here I'll even wave my buyout. Let's let's get going. So, yeah. got to think there's some more to this story that's going to come out. Um, and this is, I mean, Gary Anderson now has two spots on his stops on his uh, coaching journey that have ended weirdly. Right. The uh, Wisconsin. So, if people don't know, this is a, this, this two years plus for Gary Anderson at Oregon State. He left Wisconsin. Basically, he told Dennis Dodd, CBS's Dennis Dodd. It was mostly about not being able to get kids in that he wanted to get in. Um, I know Barry Alvarez is kind of a, he's not a easy guy to work for from what we have heard. Um, you know, and, but Gary Anderson said nothing bad about him to leave like a, you know, maybe like the number two program at the time at the Big Ten to go to a bottom, you know, dweller at Oregon State in the Pac 12 was just very kind of strange. No one really expected that to happen. He did it. And he told, and I, I can't remember the, one of the columnists up there in, or, in Oregon, he told them in the beginning of the year, like if, if he ever felt that he couldn't win, he was going to walk away. And the columnist was like, yeah, whatever. Um, and at this, and that, according to him, this, he apparently did that. He, he walked away. Um, they've had three athletic directors in his two and a half year tenure there. So it's been kind of, uh, up and down and all over the place. Um, obviously it's not really easy to win. Uh, he doesn't have the, I don't think he had as much as far as coaching staffs go that he would have liked to be able to bring in. So I think there was a lot of problems up there. And he walked away from about $12 million in guaranteed money, Dave. They gave him an extension to 2021. He basically said, rip up my contract and I'm leaving. You know, if that's all there is to it, that's, I mean, I, I, more power to him. Um, you know, making that kind of decision and just saying, you know, I can't hit my goals here. So I'm, I'm out and, uh, don't even, you know, don't even pay me my, my money. But, just seems so weird. Um, and 
this year was obviously not trending the right way, but like to basically say ah, I'm out and I have no chance of winning here. God, what an indictment of that program, right? For the coach to be there for two and a half years. And these guys are all like, I mean, I guess not all, but most of the time they're like incredibly optimistic about their chances. It's like the players too, but the coaches as well. Like they, I, I think to be in that kind of field, you almost have to believe you're going to win every game. You're going to get better. Like you have to be like just constantly believing that. Um, and for him to make this kind of decision, essentially, at two different stops. Now, obviously, he didn't just quit at Wisconsin. He left for, um, you know, a, probably a lesser job. I think that's a fair categorization of Oregon State compared to Wisconsin. Um, strange. Uh, maybe just a different guy, you know, just a different guy with a different set of priorities. But uh, certainly strange. And it's going to be interesting to see where his next stop is. And it, more to our point. It's going to be really interesting to see what Oregon State does from here. They've promoted one of their assistants. Um, uh, the name, I don't have it in front of me right now, but they've promoted one of their assistants. But what that coaching search will look like after a coach basically said, I can't win there, and the previous coach left for Nebraska, um, which I guess is a step up, but still. Um, it's going to be interesting to see who they can land. This is nuts. Um, it's really crazy. It's unexpected. And I, I have a buddy who's like on staff up there, um, on the support staff. And I knew him from what, you know, some of other jobs. He worked in, uh, more central California. And I talked to him in the tunnel after the game. So USC, if, you know, USC, uh, beat Oregon State over the weekend. No spoiler alert, I guess, because we haven't talked about that yet. But, um, and he was, he expressed to me that he was worried about the, about, you know, all of their jobs. And I was like, ah, you know, it's his third year. I just really didn't think it would happen. And I, I don't think he expected, it to happen this quickly. I've texted with them a little bit today. Um, there certainly were some problems there. And I think having three different athletic directors is, is part of it, but he doesn't care about money. Uh, according to, you know, it's just, it's not really about the money for him. And, uh, it's, it's shocking in this day and age for someone to walk away from 12. I mean, you can not care about the money, but it's still $12 million. <laughs> You're just like walking away from but it's great yeah I, I don't know i feel bad for all the you know everyone that's employed up there i i guess they'll probably all have their jobs most of the year and then you know whatever happens with the next coaching staff they'll make those decisions but it's uh it's a huge shakeup, not just for gary anderson but his whole staff everybody um it's crazy yeah i mean when you when you lose to a team that looks as shaky as usc i mean that's got to really be a, yeah that's got to really deal you a blow you know that's crazy. They covered that. That was their most competitive game. That's a problem, though. That was their most competitive wow. game against an uh, an F a Power Five school. So, and they lost by four four touchdowns. Yeah, it was. Uh, so, yeah, it's uh, you. We'll we'll talk about that game and stuff. But there there would look like a lot of a lot of mistakes that were fixable. You know, there was a lot of things that were just self inflicted wounds that on both sides of the ball. But when you're doing that, something's not quite right, you know? And I think he just saw that and it was like, whatever he did to try to like fix those problems that they were having wasn't working. And, you know, in good conscience, I don't think he could go into his next game getting paid saying, I've done everything I can to fix all these problems and they're not getting fixed. So this isn't, this, this isn't for me. I'm not the guy for this job. You know what? I think I could. <laughs> Like, I think I could, I think I could walk into my job and say, you know, this isn't probably going to work out. And maybe in the long run, I'm going to, I'm going to get fired, but I'm making a lot of money. I'm going to, I'm going to just sit it out for a while. Hang tight. But, yeah. you know, different dude, uh, more power to him. 
Um, but uh, Oregon State certainly has an uncertain road going forward now. Uh, they do. It's um, yeah. I don't know. So you know, feel bad. I mean, I I watched that team in person, and they are as bad as you would think. You know, it's like <laughs> it's this. They are any bad. any Pac-12 team not named Oregon State or Cal probably would have beaten. Well, well, spoiler alert. Probably would have beaten USC on Saturday. Yeah, but USC did well, not play well and won by four touchdowns. And yeah. there were gifts given uh, by the Oregon State Beavers. It was Christmas many, early. Many generous yeah. gifts. <laughs> um, all right, so crazy stuff there. So we'll talk more about that game uh, actually fairly soon. Um, but I wanted to mention the Pac-12 Players of the Week. Uh, there's this dude Khalil Tate who you know he wasn't he wasn't the starting quarterback, but he's the offensive player of the week for Arizona. So congrats to him. We'll talk about him later. Right, because because he because he because he, he ran for over 300 <laughs> yards playing quarterback. <laughs> and that's the only game we didn't get. Well, we'll we'll get into all that stuff later. Justin Reed, uh, Stanford DB, uh, had some really key plays uh, in or, against Utah to help secure the victory that David Shaw appeared to be trying to give away. But uh, ju- nice job there, Justin Reed. And then Eric Powell for Washington State, uh, the kicker. Uh, I think I, I voted for uh, Jet Toner, you know, mostly because for, for name value alone. Yeah, for name value alone, I thought that would be a, a good one there. But uh, Eric Powell had some uh, some key field goals. I don't know how you have key field goals in like a thirty-three to ten win, but whatever. That's why I didn't vote for him. But uh, yeah, nice for him. I, actually, the Utah kicker when he hit, he kicked one. You know, that was, uh, that was a crazy, he should have probably got Pac-12. Stand still? Yeah. Yeah. That was, that, that was Pac-12 player of the week worthy just right there. So <laughs> those are your Pac-12 players of the week. Cool. And now yeah. I think we're going to have to get to our Pac-12 roundup. Cause we got questions. We got to like preview. There's six games this week cause there's no bye week in the Pac-12. So we got a lot to get to, man. We, I think we went two hours last week. We got it. We'll try to, you know, condense it a little bit, but you guys, I know they want to hear what's going on, so we'll, we'll do we'll do our best. We like to give the people what they want. So coming in at number twelve, we've got Oregon State uh, lost thirty-eight to ten to USC. We'll we're recapping the game when we get to the higher team, right? I thought we were doing it at the lower team, but we can do the higher team. There we let's... go. No, let's do it right here. Let's yeah. do it right, right here. All right. So they they lost to USC. Um. So this game was uh this game was bad. bad. Like it was a fundamentally horrible football game to watch um usc really i mean i know 38 10 you're like oh dave's just being negative again no usc looked bad in this game like they did not play well at all but oregon state just could not do anything could not do anything competently every time they were gifted field position off of a turnover or anything happened they literally just could not do anything they missed how many field goals did they miss I think three. Just two? They were they were just, two of five in the red zone after being number one in the nation in the red zone. So they had one field goal, one touchdown in the red zone. Yeah, and I'm I'm happy about the final touchdown they scored in the fourth quarter. It was really important for both Ryan and myself yes. um, that that Oregon State uh, beat the 34 that USC was favored by. Uh, but other than that, this was I mean just a I don't even want to talk too much about Oregon State because they're just so bad. But um, for USC, Sam Darnold's stat line, I don't think necessarily properly indicates kind of how shaky this game was for him. He only threw one pick, but he had at least two others where 
it hit the guy in both hands, like right in both hands, and they just dropped it. Uh, he had another really strange fumble um, where he just kind of it just kind of wiggled out of his hand, um, and just looks not at all like the guy we came to expect uh, towards the end of last season. What's what's your explanation for how he's looking these days? He's not looked like himself now that, like you said, the stat line looks fine um, in this one. You're, you know, three hundred yards, three touchdowns, one pick, but fumbled twice. One of them was like a. Charlie Brown, Lucy, Peanuts sort of thing where it just flew backwards out of his hand. And he said he'd never happened to him in his life. Uh, the other one was a sack fumble that uh, USC recovered like on their own, you know, inside the own one yard line. It could have easily been a safety or a touchdown for Oregon State. Um, it, he hasn't looked like himself. And we've asked Clay Helton about it. He's saying, you know, it's basically like everything's good. You know, everyone's getting better. It's working. And um, what we're seeing and what most of the fans on our message board and Twitter, they're just not seeing the same thing. And there's even talk about, you know, Matt Fink, the backup came in, never been in a game in his life and he had a 51 yard touchdown run. And they're like, yeah. maybe put in Matt Fink, you know? So I don't think it's getting that bad where like they're real, a lot of people are screaming for like the backup quarterback, but it's not looked good. You know, it, it's, there's something there. I, we don't know what it is. Is he banged up? Is there something going on? We just haven't been able to put our, you know, our thumb on exactly what's going on here. So we'll see. I mean, they got, they got two tough games coming up and we'll preview one of them a little bit later today. Uh, but he didn't look good against Washington state. He looked good against Oregon state, but they were really terrible. He basically had a clean pocket all the time. And when he did it, uh, that's when, you know, he's, we was getting into trouble with the one pick. And like, like Dave said, a couple more that were possible. Um, Oregon state hadn't run a, won a road game since 2012. Uh, maybe that's part of why Gary Anderson's gone, but they beat Colorado in 2012. They have the second longest streak in the nation, Dave. Uh, Kansas has lost 42 road games in a row. So that's, that's pretty bad, but Oregon, you know, Oregon State's right up there. Um, like I said, they were number one in the nation in the red zone offense, but they went two for five in this one. The good thing is they were only been in, in the red zone 10 times all year. They got in five this time and a bunch of them were gifts from USC, but they weren't able to, uh, capitalize on them. Yeah, like, let's just go through the first, I think it was like the first five or six drives of the game, because they're kind of instructive. So USC marches down the field on the opening drive. It looks like it's going to be a complete blowout. They march down easily, score a touchdown. Um, then Oregon State turns the ball over on, like, the third play of the drive, uh, throws a pick to Jack Jones. Uh, then SC scores another touchdown. So it's 14 nothing early. I'm, I'm getting angry because it looks like USC's going to cover. Um, and then Oregon State punts the ball on their next drive. And, uh, it was Harris, right? Who fumbled this one? Fumbled the punt? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, Jane Harris, and it, yeah. Yeah. And then it's at the USC like 30 or the 29. And then Oregon State misses the field goal. Then SC on their next drive, uh, fumbles it on the first play. And Oregon State again misses a field goal. And this time from like the USC 18. So two drives for Oregon State started within the USC 30. And they came up with zero points. And it's not like they turned the ball over. They just couldn't make field goals, couldn't do anything offensively. They started to move the ball a little bit better in the second half. Um, I think probably just sort of the deal where USC probably was letting up a little bit. Um, but that first half, their offense was so miserable. Just so bad. Um, but SC, SC made enough mistakes that a team with a like even an average offense would have been in this game. 
Like, it easily could have been a tie game at halftime and potentially a game where USC had a lot of real trouble. Um, but this is the kind of game you can play against an Oregon State or how Cal's looking now, and we'll get to that. Um, but not against any of the other nine teams in the Pac-12. So it sets up for what could be an interesting finish to this conference season, which I think we were all lining up as basically a shoe-in for USC in the South. And I still think they're probably the favorite in the South, but... Well, we'll get into that in a little bit. Yeah. And I mean, this, like, USC looked a little bit better in the second half on offense. They had a good drive, uh, to start the third quarter. Uh, Oregon State goes on this really impressive long drive and, and almost controls the ball for like the rest of the quarter, gets down inside the five yard line and basically just like fumbles a snap away. Like that simple. Like they did all these good things all, all right down to the, to pay dirt. And then they fumble it back to USC. And here's like, if you can't punch that one in, what is going on? So it's, there's, there's some big problems, uh, in Beaver country, unfortunately. And, you know, unforced errors are just killing this team. So we'll see going forward without Gary Anderson there. I mean, they're, they're banged up too. There's a lot of, you know, just having Ryan Nall in this game, I think they would have scored 14 more points. You know, they would have been able to, they had like a fourth and two. They didn't convert that looked awful. They could have punched it in when they were inside the five a couple of times. Like they could have made a difference having Ryan Nall, but they have a lot of other guys hurt too. Um, but just so many unforced errors. I think there's enough talent there where they should be competitive at times. And they were competitive for like a half against Washington. Um, maybe now that Gary Anderson's gone, they change it, turn it around. I'm just not sure. Yeah, completely agree. All right. Well, I guess we move up to the next team. Yep. So coming in at number 11 is the Colorado Buffaloes. A uh, familiar spot for the Buffaloes pre-last year, uh, but unfamiliar territory for the current iteration. Um, I guess they were there last week, but hey. Um, lost to Arizona at home. Um, and this game, I would say it was one of those classic wasn't quite as close as the final score appeared. Um, Arizona sort of dominated this game from the jump. Um, Colorado was playing catch-up. Basically the entire game. Um, Arizona outscored them 14-7 in the first half, and then they held the lead for pretty much the entire game after that. Um, made it a little close at the end. Arizona only won 45-42. Um, but it wasn't all that close. And the interesting part, um, and the part everyone is talking about, is that Colorado knocked out Brandon Dawkins out of this game. So you'd figure, oh, Arizona's offense is going to take a hit. And then Khalil Tate comes in, carries the ball just 14 times, for 327 yards and four touchdowns, while also completing 11 of 12 passes for 142 yards and one touchdown. So he averaged 23.4 yards per rush and 11.8 yards per pass attempt. So that's, Let that sink that, in. That's pretty good. <laughs> that is one of the most freakish quarterback performances <laughs> I can remember, and it happened from a backup who didn't play the entire game. Like, he, he played a little bit less than the entire game. because Brandon Dawkins is in there before him. Yeah, he got knocked out, like, going out of bounds, right? Or something like... Yeah, yeah. And th- then they tried to do the same thing to Khalil Tate later in the game, but Tate wasn't having it. Um, so that was the biggest mistake Colorado made. They knocked out Dawkins. Yeah. yeah. Don't knock out the starting quarterback because you don't know what's, what's going to come next. <laughs> and it wasn't like Arizona was rushing the ball great outside of Khalil Tate. Like, Nick Wilson was under four yards of carry. J.J. Taylor was under three yards of carry. Dawkins even was at 4.3 yards per carry. No, this was Khalil Tate. Even like in situations where Colorado maybe had the play defended kind of well, like in terms of positioning, he's just kind of that big, 
strong but also fast kind of missile type runner that just makes it really really tough to bring him down um but i think we can say rest in peace uh colorado's reputation as having a good defense um at least for the remainder of this year uh when you give up oh 425 yards rushing including 300 plus to a quarterback um that's pretty much it for for your defense um Offensively, they were fine. Uh, maybe got some things going a little bit. Uh, Philip Lindsay had almost as impressive a day as Khalil Tate. 41 carries for 281 yards and three touchdowns. That's pretty good. Yeah. Um, they they combined. Just, so their, their combined total. Uh, so Lindsay had 281. Oh, wow. Tate had 327. 608 total yards rushing between them. Wow. Uh, that's our new record for FBS opponents. So back in 91, Marshall Falk had, uh, I think at 386 yards rushing against Pacific and Ryan Benjamin had whatever the rest was. They, there was the total of like 553. So this blew that away. So you've never had two guys rush for that much on the same, you know, opposite sides of the ball. That's crazy. That is insane. Um, so yeah. And now, so I mean, we'll, we'll preview the Arizona game in a, in a little bit, but, uh, certainly, um, some interesting questions at quarterback there. For Colorado, um, this season, and we'll, we'll preview their upcoming game in a little bit, but things might be getting away from them a little bit. Yeah. Um, and their defense looked so bad in this one. Um, and maybe their offense is finally getting things figured out, and we're going to see something like what we expected from Colorado this year, which is a good offense and a potentially shaky defense. Um, but this isn't the way you wanted to get there with a home loss to Arizona. No. Uh, let's see. What else did... So Colorado... Had 12 penalties, penalties for 110 yards. Arizona oh. didn't have that much. So that was pretty good. So Arizona kept it clean. This was a close game, obviously, but Colorado could have won. <laughs> you know, it's not just that Tate went crazy. Like they made a whole bunch of mistakes on their own. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you get a career night from Philip Lindsay and it goes in a loss. You're like, that's, cr-. I mean, he was absolutely insane and no one's even talking about him because, because Tate went bonkers, you know? Yeah. And, he- for, for Colorado, I think one of the big worries is um, Arizona was able to ice this game basically the same way UCLA was at the end of last week's game or the previous week's game um, with just a long end of game drive. Um, UCLA didn't finish the game, but it went like a full six minutes in the fourth quarter and Colorado just could not stop it. And Arizona did the same thing. You know, it wasn't like they were going full explosive with Khalil Tate at the end. It was just they just grinded Colorado and there was nothing the buffs could do. Um, and so they were able to just go from, you know, Colorado should have been able to get the ball back if they, you know, had a, had a defense that was geared up to, to stop these guys. Um, they, they could have been able to get the ball back with like three minutes to go, but instead, uh, Arizona was able to possess the ball for the final five minutes of the game. Um, and that pretty much ended any hopes of Colorado coming back in this one. Yeah. Um, you feel bad. I mean, this was a game you thought Colorado could have. Uh, they did not. We got this one, uh, wrong. This was the only one. So, well, uh, picks against the spread. I ended up going four and one. I finally beat Dave. Dave went three and two. This was the one that we had picked together. The only one that we had got wrong. Um, and it was, you know, was hoping that they could tie it up or something, make it close. But, uh, I think Arizona kicked that late field goal and, and went to make it a 10 point lead. So make it really, really tough on, uh, Colorado, but I didn't expect this one, Dave. I, I really thought Colorado was going to kind of bounce back and, uh, and play better, but it was, it was not to be. They, 
they were at home, but they looked like the road team a lot of the times for some reason. Yeah, yeah, and I think a lot of the issues that came up against uh, Washington and then UCLA, I think they're still there, and they've got some they've got some things to figure out defensively. Yeah. But optimistically, you know, their offense looks like it's getting a little bit better. Yeah. All right. So we have who do we got up next? Next up is California. Uh, the Bears coming in at number ten in the power rankings. Uh, lost to Washington, but this was a riveting final minutes of the game. Uh, Washington won 38 to seven. Um, Chase Forrest came in, um, and I'm going to focus on this part of the game first because it's more relevant to me and my interests. Uh, <laughs> Chase Forrest came in in the final uh, drive of the game for California, drove him all the way down the field into the red zone. Um, and I texted Ryan, this is going to be an insane backdoor cover. I apologize in advance. And I shouldn't have done that because it wasn't, it didn't end up that way. Um, but I thought this was going to be the most brutal bad beat for me to win four to one, uh, for me to go four and one and Ryan to go three and two in our picks this week. Um, overall, this game was a bloodbath. It wasn't fun to watch. Um, Washington, uh, was able to do, I wouldn't say whatever it wanted offensively. Um, Cal was, you know, their defense is still present and accounted for. Um, but, Cal's offense was so bad, like just so bad. Um, they ended up passing for 133 yards, but that's really deceptive because mo- a lot of that is Chase Forrest. Um, for the longest period of this game, they were like hovering around like 40 or 50 total yards of offense. And even in the end, they finished with 93 yeah. total yards of they, offense. They probably ran the ball pretty well, right, Dave? Do you, do you have the rushing totals there? or? <laughs> Yeah, here, let me give it to you. All right, so if you don't, if you leave in the sacks, it was 26 rushes for negative 40 yards. If you take out the sacks or take out the quarterback runs, it was uh, like 15 carries for like four yards. So a little bit better, a little yeah. bit better. Well, you know, it, could, it couldn't have been all that bad, right? Because they scored a touchdown, so they had to do something right on offense, right? <laughs> uh, no, no. And in, in, in point of fact, in point of fact, no, they what? didn't. But they, they got seven points. They must have scored a touchdown on offense, I would assume. Um, no, no, <laughs> you, you, you shouldn't assume that because, uh, Jake Browning, uh, completed a pass to Dante Pettis, who then fumbled it and Cal returned it for a touchdown on defense. Cal's defense is the only good part about this team. And if you thought, if you thought even remotely something similar to that before the, before the season started, you're, uh, 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 uh you're, you're very prescient. <laughs> Right. You are a oracle of some sort because, uh, this makes no sense. Um, Washington's good. They're, they're really good. They're good. Um, they'll have some questions about their offense a little just cause I, 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 again, I keep going back to it the first couple of games of the year where their rushing attack didn't look great. And even in this game, it was fine. It wasn't super great. 38 carries for 162 yards, 4.3 yards per, per rush. Um, Miles Gaskin hasn't looked quite as explosive as he has in the past, um, but they're good. I, I don't have too many complaints with Washington, and Cal is Cal. Cal's kind of falling apart a little bit. Yeah, I, I, I like the defense. I thought the Cal defense played pretty well. They did get that. And when you're, we're obviously this is the only game we picked differently. It was a 27 point spread. I picked Washington. Dave picked Cal. So I really needed this because Dave has a big lead and I, you know, it, this, you know, got me back above 500 again and all that stuff. So I was very happy, but I was sweating it out and, and Washington was just in complete control. So they were, they should have covered this easily, but then they do that fumble for a touchdown. And you're like, Oh man, is this really going to go like this? 
Um, and then, you know, Cal scoring, you know, with Forrest driving, you know, to score at the end of the game. And I was like, it can't end like this. So I'm like texting Dave bad words and things like that. It was fun. Um, but Jake Browning, you know, we questioned his arm strength. I saw him throw a ball almost 15 yards down the field, Dave. So he must be, it must be pretty good. I'm just kidding. I look, we like on Twitter, like, I don't know if people think we hate watch it. Like, obviously we think this is a good team, but we do a little troll. Like if you ever mentioned something about Jake Browning not being perfect, uh, people want to get all over you. So I love now I'm like just trolling Jake Browning is like my favorite thing to do now. So yeah, um, Washington fans are really going to love us after this season. Because <laughs> like it's, it's between me, like kind of poo pooing this undefeated like monstrosity that's like number three in all advanced stats and you just talking crap about Jake Browning. We're going to just all of our, all of our Washington listeners. The question was like, you know, would you, play like an all-star team from the Pac-12 against like Alabama. And I was like, I'd rather take like, I said, I mean, I said, I'd rather take Washington. I'd rather take like a whole team and like put a few pieces on it for Chris Peterson. Right. And then I threw it. That's a, that's a compliment, you know, but except we say like, you know, Jake Browning, cause he's, you know, maybe top 10 in the Pac-12 of quarterbacks. Like he's behind Khalil Tate now. Right. So <laughs> there might be two quarterbacks in Arizona better than Jake oh, Browning. Is God. that what you're saying, Dave? I think that's okay. what we're saying, but I'm not committing to it. Um, we're yeah, kidding. This we're a, kidding. We're kidding. We're kidding. We kid. Uh, so Cal, uh, better luck next time, but Washington continues to roll. Yeah. So there was, um, they, and so like technically in this game though, seriously though, I thought Washington was moving the ball well, but they weren't like, like they weren't finishing a lot of the drives. Um, they're having field goal problems too. They've missed four of nine. They end up benching their dude and bringing another guy. Seemed like a lot of wide receiver screens. Not knocking Jake Browning's arm. I'm just saying they seem to use a lot of those. Offs, a lot of dump offs, and he, uh, I think it was only like uh, five yards per pass attempt. Well, yeah, I can do the math right here. Yeah, a little over five yards per pass attempt. So oh. um, that's not ideal. Uh, you want to be make, taking a few more shots downfield. What I wanted to see, if you remember this, so Cal tried a 60-yard field goal before the half. And they put, and they, Peter said to call timeout. They didn't have anyone back there for some reason, but he figured it out. He put Pettis back there. He caught it. He got the return. It was, it only got out to like the 20 or something, but I thought that would have been awesome if he returned that for a touchdown. I mean, obviously for me too, because I picked Washington, but, um, right. that would have been very, very, very exciting. But UW had eight sacks. Cal only had one. Um, you know, we talked about that scoop and score that kind of made me bad. Cal tried a field goal. When they were down thirty-eight to seven, uh, I thought that was kind of interesting. They, they end up muffing it anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was so weird. That, that was, was weird so too. weird. Yes, especially because I needed them to try for a touchdown, and I was very angry with Justin Wilcox for doing that. For, and they for called, us, they called a timeout. They called timeout with like one second ago. It was so that dumb was, and weird. It wasn't like a shutout, right? No, um, it's not like you're trying to like save some pride or something. You. And for our spread, game? for I our mean, spread I, though, we had twenty-seven, so it wouldn't have mattered for our spread. But that's for what some, I'm saying I needed him to go for a touchdown. <laughs> but some people had twenty-eight and a half, and that would have been that it would have beat the spread. So do we think? Do we think Justin Wilcox had twenty-eight and a half? <laughs> Maybe he did. That's the only reason I could think of that. Like that was weird. That um, was very strange. Yeah. And, you know, and maybe we talk too much about our, like, our bet is our competition, right? We do this. And we like to be competitive and, and do our picks. And, it's, you know, there's a lot of people bet on games and things like that. But those are interesting at the end of games where, like, USC almost backdoor covered, um, you know, 
Oregon State at the very end with their backup quarterback, you know, running and, and Oregon State turning the ball over. Or in this case, kicking a field goal in the last second when it doesn't matter at all and covering the spread. Like these are really interesting. And I, I know they do a great job with, uh, uh, who's the guy? Who's the late night, uh, sports center guy? Um, damn. He does like, he does a bad beat segment on ESPN. It's pretty good. Yeah. I'm forgetting it. Oh, Scott, um, Scott Van Pelt. They do a lot of that. Yeah, so. yeah. yeah. Someone on Twitter told me like, you don't know what backdoor means. Backdoor cover means. And I was like, what are you talking about, dude? So, cause the USC Oregon State game, mm-hmm. it was 28 10. All right. So USC's up 18. They're favored by 34 in the fourth quarter and backups and stuff were going in. So I said it would have been a backdoor cover and I thought that would be correct. And the guy's like, that's not a backdoor cover. They were on pace and blah, 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 blah. I'm like, they're up 18 with a 34 point spread and they got backups in. I think that's backdoor if they come. It doesn't look like they're covering the game, and they they do at the end. So I don't know what do you think, Dave? But is that so? I'm going with my solid verbalisms. Is that more of a front door cover, or no? Oh, maybe I don't know. I, I had a I have a um a guy that. So when I when I think of the backdoor cover, I'm thinking the losing side of it, um, coming in with some junk time touchdown to to beat the spread. So like Cal coming back and scoring another seven to 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 crush all gamblers who bet on Washington minus twenty seven there. Um, like myself, uh, that that feels more like a traditional backdoor cover to me. Yeah, no, I think it's probably right, but I think I don't know when one side is completely in hand, and then something crazy happens at the end yeah, for yeah. the other no, side. No, it's, it's it's backdoor, it's front door, it's some sort of door. It's some sort of door. It, it yeah. comes in some sort of door, and it screws some people over at the last minute. It's great. I, I have this uh, a handicapper that comes on my regular podcast, and I asked him. He said, "No, that's backdoor." I'm like, "Okay." So, but yeah, I think Solid Verbal has kind of a different. Uh, yeah, whatever. I don't know, but it it didn't look like they were going to cover. And at the very end, something happened to, but it didn't happen, but they almost did. All right. All right. Let's move on. Uh, let's move on. We've got Arizona state, which was on a buy. Uh, they're coming in at number nine. And then after them, we've got number eight, the Oregon ducks, yeah. the, the beat up Oregon ducks, uh, got beat up. Uh, Washington state came to town, uh, beat, Oregon in like somewhat predictable fashion, which was very weird because Vegas had this as like a two point game either way, but Washington State won thirty three to ten. Yeah. Um This was Oregon, one of those ones we just knew. We're like, there's no yeah, no, yeah, there's just no way that makes any sense whatsoever, which is always when I'm a little bit nervous, but um it didn't make any sense. You know, Braxton Burmeister actually did some nice things in this game. He's just a freshman. I mean, he's just a guy pressed into duty and he's not yet ready. Um, but he looked he looked fine in the first quarter, just kind of the game got away from him a little bit. I don't think it's necessarily his fault. I don't think it's necessarily means that the future is dim for uh, Oregon. I just think uh, he was a freshman pressed into short-term duty. Um, I actually thought Washington State, their defense is really good, and Luke Falk, again, stat line looks fine, did not have a good Luke Falk game. This was like a C effort for Luke Falk, um, and they still... Uh, trounced Oregon. Um, Washington State's rushing attack was actually something they could lean on quite a bit in this game. I mean, the st- final stat line doesn't really show it, but Gerard Wicks had some big key runs, especially early on in this game. Um, and they were just uh, they were just able to shut down this Oregon uh, th- this Oregon offensive attack. And I thought that was the biggest key to the game. After the first quarter, Oregon didn't score a point, um, and Washington State just kind of piled on, piled on, piled on over time, um, and. Put together a nice win. They're winning with with defense, with pretty decent special teams. I mean, this is a weird Washington State team because their offense 
while good, hasn't been like the best Mike Leach offense I've ever seen. But defense and special teams are, uh, are are critical pieces of the puzzle, and I'm glad they're finally figuring that out up there. Uh, they are. This is a this is a good team. Washington State's good. I think Oregon showed some heart in the first half. You know, playing with your third string quarterback. Um, but it just it was like kind of an ugly first half. And I thought Oregon had some opportunities to take to uh, take a few shots, and and really just didn't. Wasn't able to. Uh, I think both team com- both teams combined for one of fifteen on third down in the first half. So it just really wasn't like nothing was really clicking on either side, you know. Um, in the first half, Washington State comes out and converts a third and nineteen to start the second half. So you kind of got a feeling at that point, like okay, now this is where Luke Falk and everybody kind of turns it on, and they pretty much did, you know. Um, the Washington State defense in the second half, especially, there was a lot of pressure. They stopped the run. So if Oregon's not running the ball, it's going to be hard to do much. They ended up with four sacks, 11 tackles for loss. That's pretty good. Uh, three takeaways and Oregon finished two of 17 on third down. So that's the lowest point total for the Ducks since 2009. Um, Washington State six and over the first time since 2001. So that's pretty good. And I think yeah. when you look at Washington State, Dave, they're a good enough team right now that they can have a pretty bad half against Oregon on the road in Austin Stadium and a tough place to play and still cruise, uh, for the win. Um, so that's, I mean, I think that's, I think that's why this is a really good Washington State team. I'm really looking forward to the Apple Cup down the road. And I think for the Ducks, I thought the defense played pretty well. Like it's, it's a better defense right now. Oh, 100%. With it, with Justin Herbert in there, I mean, who knows? Maybe this would have been, you know, it certainly would have been closer, but you got to at least have a chance. But without, you know, third string quarterback against this, this team right now is just buzzing. It, it just was, wasn't in the cards for Oregon. Yeah. And I, I, I want to underscore that point because Oregon's defense, I mean, they, they kept this game manageable for longer than it really should have been, um, given the disparity and, you know, who, which, which guys are actually healthy and playing and which guys weren't. Um, but, just not enough, but I, I think that defense, you know, I think it's going to be the same thing we saw with Jim Levitt in Colorado. Some strides his first year, and then by the second year, I think Oregon's defense, Oregon's defense next year could be really tough, really tough to deal with. And uh, assuming, I mean, yeah, this year, um, we'll see when Justin Herbert actually comes back, but this year might be, you know, kind of one of those what-if kind of years, you know, because it seemed like it was gearing up for, you know, a year where they potentially could have contended for the North. Um, but next year with Herbert back um, with, you know, some of these running backs back and with that defense gelling for a second year, it's going to be, um, it's going to be a dangerous team. It will. Um, and I'm trying to look up. I, um, Paul, Burma, Paul Burmeister played quarterback for Iowa and actually back in, man, this is almost, almost 10 years ago now did a show on NFL network called uh, cultural ball. Now and he was the host and I was like the USC uh, correspondent or whatever, I'd go into the office and like give him USC updates. Um, but he played, you know, I didn't know if, uh, if that was his son or not. I haven't been able to find it online, but, um, but he was a, you know, he, I think he works for NBC. He covers like, uh, Notre Dame and stuff now. He's done like Olympic stuff too, but he used to be at the NFL network. So I don't know. I don't know if that's his son, but I, I just recognize the name. Like, oh, quarterback from, oh, interesting. But I don't, I don't think it is, but I thought it might be. I don't know if you heard that or not. I did not know. Did yeah. Not know. So let us know. You know, I'm that not going to, I'm not going to Google it anymore. No, no, no. We're not going to look this up for ourselves. That's why we have listeners. Yeah. Let uh, us know if that was. 
that's the most efficient way of finding out any information is to ask it on a podcast and wait for the answer to come <laughs> over Twitter or email. <laughs> is that more efficient than like people asking you questions that would take three seconds to Google, like, you know, what time yeah, or whatever, yeah, no, just, on yeah, Twitter? Yeah. And it was like, how long does it take you, like, for me to see this, for you to write it, for me to see it, and then me to eventually somehow answer it? Like, you definitely could have Googled this by now. My favorite is when people were asking, like, something like, what time is the UCLA game? Yeah. It's like, you could literally punch this query, like, its exact form into Google, and it will spit out an answer a lot quicker than I'm going to give it to you. Yeah. Like, like, it won't even, like, you won't even have to click on a page. It will actually just show you in the top nav of Google when you punch that in what time the game is. Yeah. Like, very, very good how they do it. And we still seem to fart modern technology with our own stupidity. It's great. Yeah. Uh, all right, so coming in at number seven, Arizona, which beat Colorado, um, as we just discussed, um, they are. Did we wait? Did we decide if they're number seven or number six? Uh, I kept it number seven. I know you were talking about it, but we'll. All right, whatever. Uh, um, it'll be a battle for six and seven when we get to the previews. Uh, coming in at number six is UCLA, which was on a bye, um, so they're still a top half team for now. Um, and then coming in at number five is Utah which did take a loss this weekend. Uh, number 20, Utah, lost at home to Stanford, 23-20. to 20. Um, This was like kind of a – a lot of people are calling it a classic Stanford-Utah game, and I guess that's fair. I don't think the Stanford defense is any good. I think Utah's offense was just so inept uh, with Troy Williams at the helm that it kind of made Stanford's defense look okay at times. Um, but – this was, I, I, I thought Utah's defense was maybe the best unit in the game for most of it. Um, kind of fell apart a little bit towards the end. Bryce Love got going with one 68-yard carry for a touchdown. Um, but they held down Stanford's passing attack, which hadn't been great. Um, David Shaw did something really weird. Um, KJ Costello had pretty clearly um, played better than Keller Kristat <laughs> had to this point this year. Um uh, when he came in for Chris after Chris got hurt. And uh, then he started Keller Chris in this one and then alternated quarterbacks kind of series by series um, in this game. And it didn't seem to get either of these guys in a rhythm. They both played roughly the same basic quality. I think Costello was a little bit better, but they were both basically the same. Um, they did a lot of running with their kind of big statuesque quarterbacks, which was interesting. Um, it was just a, it, it was just one of those weird things where you're trying to figure out what Shaw's doing um, in terms of his offense, and I, I think it served to kind of keep Utah a little bit in the game a little bit more, just in terms of not necessarily getting a whole lot of rhythm going. But the problem for Utah is their offense without Tyler Huntley is reliant on Troy Williams, and Williams just uh, it's just not a great quarterback, uh, and he, it, it's it's unfortunate. I think he's a good backup to have. I think he's a guy who can come in and. Make some things happen for you as a backup. He won't help win that game um, at Arizona two weeks ago, but um, I just don't know that he's a guy you necessarily want starting games when you don't have a truly dominant rushing attack or a truly dominant defense. Um, and uh, I don't think Utah quite has those things. Um, and uh, I think they're just going to be waiting patiently for Tyler Huntley to come back. Yeah, he uh, unfortunately we we both liked him covering him, and, and but he was the it's kind of the difference in this game and Utah still almost won. There was a lot of weird Stanford stuff 
in this game, like David Shaw stuff that you're always scratching your head about, like you mentioned Keller Chris starting and um, kind of taking your foot off the gas late in the games. And there was a bunch of weird Utah stuff too. If you listen to Kyle Whittingham after the game, um, he felt they did a pretty good job on Bryce Love. And I agree. I mean, that was his lowest total. I think he had 150 yards or something. Like that was his lowest total of the year, but he did have that big, was it 68 or 63 yarder? For a touchdown. So he's had eight, yep. eight straight games where he's had a 50 yard rush and that's eight straight games where he's gone over a hundred yards. But they, you could, they, they, you can argue they did the best job against love than anybody on, uh, their schedule. But Whittingham was like, didn't force a single turnover. Obviously, I mean, I thought the defense is good, but you got to get a, you know, get a turnover or two, especially when they're switching quarterbacks like that. Stanford only had 14 first downs in the game. So I think the Utah defense did play well, but special teams, has hurt them. Um, I think the kickers are always great, right? Something's right. wrong with the snapping. Um, and his son, I think his son is the snapper, right? Or you, one of the snappers. You know what? What's wrong with snapping? Nepotism. <laughs> Nepotism is wrong with the snapping. That's that's the problem there. And it was bad on uh, the missed field goal. It was bad on that extra point where he had to um, where he had to kick it from a standstill. The greatest extra point in the history of college football. That was incredible, honestly. <laughs> like that was that was stunning to watch. Matt Gay should get a medal for that thing because he he literally so the ball was snapped off funny and then it was caught kind of funny and so he had to basically stop on his left foot with his leg back waiting for the ball to get right as guys are rushing at him and he's at a standstill and he somehow has enough leg power to like just juice it right over the. The crossbar, it was, that was stunning to watch. That was maybe the most impressive part of this entire football yeah. game. Maybe the most impressive part of all of football Saturday. But that was um, a bad snap too, right? And then there was a it was snap. a bad snap and a bad hold. And I then, mean, well, it was a bad snap and then the hold wasn't great. And then in the, I, was, I think it was the first half where the bad punt snap just gave Stanford the ball in the red zone basically and they got a three free point, free and, three and, points out of it, right? And if you remember against Arizona, it was the same deal. They had two bad punt snaps, like bad punt snaps, where it looked yeah. like he was snapping for a fake uh, fake punt. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, okay, so a couple factors for me. Darren Carrington is a is a difference maker. So even when your offense is sputtering, he he didn't have any grabs in the first half, but in the second half, he had this crazy one handed catch at the end of fumble and going away. But um, you need guys like him. You Oregon could have so used a star receiver with your third string quarterback. So I think, you know, he's going to make a difference, even though, you know, it's it, we've not seen as much from this offense with Troy Williams. I love the fact that Utah went to an I formation when they got inside the two. Unfortunately, it didn't work. And then they went back to a spread on third down and they ended up getting a 10 yard sack, which was baffling. I'm like, if you're going to line up in the eye, just do it like three times or four times, just run it, you know? Odds, odds are pretty good, especially – and this Stanford defense hasn't been good. Like, it hasn't been – like, people, I think, uh, they have this rep of Stanford. Like, Stanford's this great, you know, great defense, this gritty defense. They really haven't been this year. No. You can run on them. Go ahead. You can run on them. Great secondary still. I think they do a good job. But Yeah, th- but you can run on them. Like, you yeah. can find – and they and Utah did in the first half. Um, I don't know. I would have stuck with it a lot more. I think they threw the ball way too much with Troy Williams. Um, I would have just kind of leaned on the run quite a bit more. I yeah. thought that was probably a misstep for them offensively. And then in the end, you know, Williams was just pressing and he threw two picks oh. late, which was yeah. like, and they still end up getting a touchdown. Like you talking of what without those two interceptions and Stanford, well, they actually helped them on the final drive, the, 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 the touchdown drive to beat the spread for Utah. Two Stanford targeting 
penalty. So Stanford's going to be without two of their best defenders for the first half of next week now. Yeah, and I think one of them is Harrison Phillips. They're starting nose. Yes. He's been a stud. Come on. Yeah. Just, and, and both of them were like, the second one was like a little bit more questionable, but both of them were like, you don't need to be doing that at the end of a game. Yeah. When you're up by it, I mean, when you're up by 10 points, you don't need to be doing this. Yeah. And then, then Utah, but end up, they end up scoring on that. And it was like fourth and whatever, like in their own, like inside their 10. Like they were done. Utah was done. And that targeting penalty gets them out and another targeting penalty gets them out. And then they, they end up scoring a touchdown and they onside kick was really close. It looked oh, like so close. Yeah. So this was, I mean, it's for a butt game. Like there was some cool stuff, but just either side, the, you know, there was just, I don't know, just some bad decisions I thought made by both sides. Obviously really good coaches, but just seemed to be kind of baffling. And, and Kyle Whittingham's presser, he was just like scratching his head. Like he's like, what are we going to do? You know, like, you can't snap. <laughs> he goes, we were snapping good in spring. We were snapping good in, you know, in fall. And now in the games, we can't snap. Yeah. Well, um, Maybe, maybe figure that one out, Kyle. I think it has something to do with the last name on the uniform. Uh, all right. Uh, number four is Stanford, uh, which beat Utah. Um, and they might, they might not be done rising in this ranking. Uh, USC comes in at number three after their 38-10, uh, slightly unconvincing win over Oregon State. Uh, coming in at number two is Washington after their very convincing win over a, uh, decent Cal defense at the very least. And number one, still number one, uh, Washington State uh, looking more and more like the real deal. Yeah. All right. Should we preview some games? I guess so. So okay. So this is where we're going to use our um our sounds, right? We're going to do yeah. Game- we're just going to go in time order. Okay. So time order. So we have let's see. These are six games. We have a one o'clock, a five, a six, seven thirty, seven forty-five, and an eight. Wow. There's some really weird. We've got a Friday game. We've got a Friday game. Oh, I'm sorry. The Friday. Okay. So there's a Friday one. That's first off. Okay. Cool. So, all right. So first off, we'll do, uh, the Friday night game. We have Washington State Cougars and California Golden Bears. All right. This game's on at 7 30 p.m. on Friday, October 13th on ESPN. Number eight, Washington State going at Cal. Uh, Washington State is favored by 13 and a half points. Um, minute just say up front i'm taking washington state um it's weird it's a friday night game short rest um washington state has been known to have lapses of concentration under mike leach um so those are all facts those are all real live facts um but cal is trending downward rapidly for me um i thought they looked really really atrocious um against washington offensively and washington state defense is no joke um, I think they're going to have similar issues in this one. Um, still have some absences at the receiver position. And I think Washington State could have similar issues offensively like they, like they had against Oregon, against Cal. I think Cal's defense is maybe a little bit similar to Oregon's in terms of quality. Um, but I expect it to kind of go like that game. I wouldn't be surprised if this one ends up, you know, in the 35 to 10 range. Um, so give me the Cougs. I think they hold down the Bears and uh, come away with another win to get to 7-0 and 4-0 and in the conference. Yeah, I like, um, I like Cal's defense. Uh, don't really like the offense. Washington State's defense is playing too good. Um, they shut down Oregon, even though it was third string quarterback on the road. I think they're going to do back to back road games, play really well. I, I could see him winning by 14. I mean, 13 and a half. If it was 
14 and a half, I might think about it more, but I, I think that's the bare minimum there that Washington State wins this one by, unless they completely lay an egg. And I don't see that happening right now. So I'm going to go with you, Dave, and I'm going to take Washington State, uh, given the 13 and a half. Cool. All right. So next up, a uh, couple teams that could use a win here. We have Colorado Buffaloes. And Oregon State Beavers. All right, so this is the first game of Saturday in the Pac-12 on at 1 p.m. on the Pac-12 network. Colorado going at Corvallis to take on Oregon State. Colorado's favored by 12 and a half. Um, and I feel a little funky about this one because I haven't liked the way Colorado's looked um, the last few weeks against Washington, UCLA, and then Arizona. But Oregon State's a dumpster fire. Um, but we have this added wrinkle now, which is Oregon State's kind of in that nothing to lose. You know, we're, you know, we believe in the interim guy phase of these things. And those always can play a little funky. And you never know what the motivation is going to look like in a game like that. <sighs> I kind of got to go with Colorado here just because I think their offense is starting to gel and Oregon State's defense has been so bad. Um, but I don't feel as confident in it as I would have if it was a Gary Anderson coach team and they were just kind of slowly uh, circling the drain of this season. Um, they might, you know, play with a little bit of fire now. Um, that's you've seen that before for sure. Um, so I'll take Colorado, but not super confidently at the minus twelve and a half. I'm going to take Colorado much more confidently than you. I mean, <laughs> because I've seen Oregon State with my own two eyes. I've seen what they're capable of doing, and this should be a runaway for Colorado. Colorado's, you know, hasn't won a Pac-12 game yet, but they've been there. They've been close. It's they've they were competitive. Oregon State has not been competitive. So I know it's at home. You just fire head coach. Like who the heck knows how everyone's going to respond? They could go. I don't know how you go further down. It can only be something that's you could go up, but it, you know, I, I don't know. They just weren't in a good place. Does firing your head coach somehow make everyone excited? I, I, he just doesn't seem like that kind of coach that everyone hated that would everyone's like, Hey, ding dong, the witch is dead. And everyone's going crazy and plays, plays their asses off. I just don't see that happening. So feel confident in your pick, Dave. Uh, Oregon State cannot do anything. They're awful. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Fine. All right. I feel very confident now. I saw Ryan. them in person. You saw them with your own two eyes. People eat their own blood. My wife was there. She left before halftime. She was like, this is just awful. Like, it was just terrible. Most uh, of the students didn't come back to the game. Like, they were just like, this is, and USC was playing crappy and they, but it, yeah. So yeah, don't worry about it. Colorado covers easy. But they covered. They did, no, Oregon State covered, but Colorado, this is only, this is under a t- two touchdowns. Like, yeah. 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 I, I'm with you. I'm with you. Colorado. Okay. Minus 12 and a half. All right. Next one we got Utah Utes. Traveling to L.A. for USC Trojans. All right, 5 p.m. on ABC. Utah going at number 13, USC. Uh, once again, 12.5-point line in favor of the Trojans. Um, this is a tough one, mostly because we still have no word on Tyler Huntley, whether he's coming back, whether he isn't. Um, if he was involved in this affair, I would probably take Utah on those points. Um, 
against Troy Williams, I'm just having a hard time seeing it because USC's defense is probably a better unit than Stanford's last week, and Stanford made Troy Williams look pretty bad, and I think USC's defense could easily make him look worse. Um, I don't know that USC quite has the pass rush that Stanford does. Actually, I know it doesn't, but um, I think they're just more fundamentally sound across the board. Um, offensively, they could have some issues against Utah, no doubt, um, but I think they're still good enough to score um, you know, somewhere in the 27 to 30 range against Utah, and I don't know that Utah, with Troy Williams at the helm, is going to score even the 20 they put up against Stanford. So I will reluctantly take USC minus 12.5. Um, I don't feel good about it. I don't like it. It's not fun. I, I don't enjoy taking USC um, to cover any spread. Um, and if Tyler Huntley is healthy, I will feel very dumb about this, but I'll take <laughs> USC for now. All right. Well, uh, I've already declared I'm not going to pick USC to cover the spread. For the if rest you of hadn't the already declared that, what would you be taking right now? Utah. Yeah. Okay. Fine. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> okay. USC is one in five against the spread. Um, Oh, I forgot to mention that the Beavers are one in five against the spread. So that's another reason on the last pick. You should feel good about it. Um, USC's not been covering the spread. They looked a lot better. People think that USC's in a much better place than they actually are because they played Oregon State last week. So, um, now we've seen some crap performances by Troy Williams. Uh, if Huntley comes back, that's just gravy. I would say uh, the line will probably change if he comes back. I just don't have confidence right now that USC's got it better you know they, they righted the ship and they I think they got the talent to do I think they have the potential to do it but I haven't seen it they played six games they played one good one and that was against Stanford you know that was it it's that's not the the rule that's the more the anomaly on the schedule right now so until they kind of show me okay now they're playing their potential now they're back I'm just not you know 12 and a half points to to Utah, I'm just taking Utah on those points right now. So I, I've just, you know, I might change. I might go back at some point and like they start playing well and crushing people. Okay, I'll rethink it. But until they start doing that, I'm taking everyone that you know and having them not cover. Okay, well, you know me, longtime Trojan fan. <laughs> you are. You've gone against your buffs this year. You've, you know, you've. I have no loyalties. I'm a ship adrift. <laughs> All right, so our next uh, our next contest uh, coming off a of bye. UCLA Bruins and Arizona Wildcats. All right, so this one's on at 6 p.m. on the Pac-12 Network. UCLA going at Arizona. Arizona is favored by a whole point, one whole point. Um, so this is a. Uh, this is such a mess. I don't want to play this game. It's a, I mean, it's basically a pick 'em. Who do you think is going to win? Um, on paper, UCLA should wipe the floor with Arizona. Um, more talent across the board. Jim Mora has owned Rich Rod um, over the years. Uh, they have not lost to Arizona while Jim Mora has been the coach. Um, and UCLA's offense should tear into this Arizona defense with relative ease. Relative ease. Uh, Arizona's offense could tear into UCLA with incredible ease. Um, their rushing attack. So last uh, last time we saw UCLA, their defense was struggling with Steven Montez on the zone read. Uh, Khalil Tate on the zone read is an entirely different animal. Uh, yes, Arizona's a little one-dimensional offensively, but that one dimension is oh so very good. Um, defensively, they're a little scrappy. Um, they're not 
a pushover like they have been in years past. They get after the quarterback a little bit, um, and they've got some young players who are making plays. Now, they're not a sound defense. They're not going to, you know, stop your run, you know, keep you under 100 yards rushing or, you know, really shut you down. But they get a takeaway or two, and they get a couple of big plays, and they, they do make some things happen. So... UCLA, I, I mean, I think they're going to be in a shootout with a lot of teams going forward. Um, but I think Arizona's defense might be just a little bit more suited to, to take away the UCLA offense on just a couple of drives than UCLA's. So I'll take Arizona in that point. Um, I'll, I'll say Arizona covers this one and wins. But I, I, it's, it's a pick em. I think you can't go wrong either way, but I'll take Arizona. Yeah, I, was, I mean, I really don't I have a strong feeling either way. On this one, um, and do we even know? Is Do- I don't know. Is Dawkins going to come back, or is, is Tate going to play? Like no, because Rich Rod, Rich Rod is not as uh, as capricious as David Shaw. Um, he will he, he will play Khalil Tate. <laughs> okay. Khalil Tate ran for uh, all of the yards. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think on the depth chart this week, I think it was listed every week before it's been listed as Brandon Dawkins or Khalil Tate, and this week it was listed as Khalil Tate or Brandon Dawkins. Okay. So, that probably gives a sign as to the uh right it's still or but it's not it's the good or so these are six yeah. six and seven teams this is a huge game i mean who's going to be ranked higher in the podcast of champions most important stakes imaginable power rankings right so i mean it's tough uh but i think i'm going to go with arizona as well just because it's, it's a home i mean pretty much it's a pick i'm going to pick the home team um they got some momentum you know ucla's coming off a bye Arizona had a buy the week before. I don't know. It's like this. Yeah. It's all like, I just. The muddle. Yeah. It's, it's a little bit muddled here. So, uh, I'll take the Wildcats not feeling great about it, but that's where we are. Fearless prediction though. It's going to be a fun as hell game. Oh, like, good. It's going to okay. be a lot of fun to watch. Tons of scoring. Uh, these two teams should, uh, put up some big numbers. I don't know what the over under is, but I'd probably take the over. As fun as like the Utah Stanford game or more fun than that? <laughs> Uh, maybe as fun as the USC Oregon State. Oh, that fun. Okay. That would be good. Yeah, super fun. Super fun. <laughs> I watched every second of that game and I wanted to die at the end. It was great. <laughs> All right. Here's, uh, we got one powerhouse team. Washington Huskies. <laughs> Man, if they just had a quarterback, they're taking on Arizona State Sun Devils. <laughs> All right. So at 7.45 p.m. on ESPN, if I try to watch this game, I might die because it is so late at night. Uh, number five, Washington going at Arizona State, which currently sits at two and three. Uh, Washington is favored by 17 and a half points. Um, so this is another uh, I think uh, Vegas is starting to get a little bit better with their lines because this is about at the total where I'm not entirely sure I'm taking Washington. Uh, Arizona State hasn't looked as horrible as we were saying they might at the beginning of the year. Um, they beat Oregon, which we talked about at the time, and that was a full-strength Oregon um, with Justin Herbert and Royce Freeman both completely healthy. And yeah, they lost to uh, what's turning out to be a very good San Diego State team and on the road at Texas Tech, which is turning out to be a pretty darn good Texas Tech team. Um, they lost that game by seven. Then they lost at Stanford uh, by 10, which not a great result, but still lost by 10, not, uh, not you know, 40. Uh, Washington coming to town. Washington's def- uh, offense has been fine, been been fine enough. Um, hasn't been spectacular. 
I would say. Um, I'm going to take ASU plus 17 and a half. Uh, I think Washington's going to win it by double digits, but 17 and a half, give me that hook. Yeah, I'll take it. I'll, I'll go ASU here. Yeah, I don't feel good about it, but I think that's where I have to go. It's, uh, you know, if it was like a 12 or 13 point spread, I'm taking Washington. It's 17 and a half. It's like, all right. I think Arizona State showed enough life, um, that I like them there. And just really, there's just, there's no arm on this Jake Browning, man. He cannot throw the ball downfield. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm just. Oh, uh, they, they all just turned it off right then. They were like, all right, we'll give it a chance for a little bit longer. And then you threw that one in there, and now one they're last, all gone. One last job on Jake Browning. We love him. Uh, it's funny. We, uh, we've followed him since he was a recruit because one of the guys we used to hang out with on our, like, uh, in our network was Jake Brown, who covers Notre Dame for Irish Illustrated at the time. So we used to go, always go hang out. And once, like, Jake, we would kind of make fun of him when we were out. And he would, like, get creepy with, he wouldn't get creepy, but we would tease him about getting creepy with one of our, friends this attractive woman named taylor who worked for the texas site we said you're like jake brown you're browning it and stuff and then there was a recruit jake browning that came up and so i've been following him ever since so i like jake browning we're just kidding i know you guys get a little sensitive about his arm strength and all that kind of stuff but um too many points i'll keep it simple dave i'm going to go 17 and a half asu cool all right, one last game we have to uh preview we have oregon ducks <laughs> And Stanford Cardinal. Do you realize? Uh, do you realize that four Pac-12 games on Saturday start after 8 p.m. Eastern? Well, I mean, you live on the West Coast, right? It should be a problem. Oh wait, no. no. You live in. Um, yeah, no. Well, we're going to talk about this a little bit with Chris. Peter should we do an Chris SEC week. podcast or an ACC or something? Would you rather? Would that be better? Maybe. Like, there's only so many more years I can do this, right? <laughs> Stay up till, like, 2 in the morning or 3 in the morning on a Sunday. That's just, ah, brutal. Uh, anyway, this football game is on at 8 p.m. on Fox Sports 1. Oregon going at number 23, Stanford. Uh, both teams 4-2, and two, but Oregon is 1-2 and two in the conference. Stanford is 3-1. and one. Stanford is favored by 10 and a half. Um, I'll feel a lot better about that 10 and a half if I learn that uh, KJ Costello is 100% Stanford starting quarterback. Oregon um, isn't expected to get Justin Herbert back this week, or I think for the next few games. Um, so they still are probably rolling the dice with the Braxton Burmeister era. Um, and, you know, Stanford's defense is probably not as strong as Washington State's. And, yeah, if you're um, you know joining us from four years ago, that's probably a stunning statement. But it's there, and it's true. Um, so Burmeister might have a slightly easier time of it against Stanford than he had last week. And also it'll be a second game. He'll be a little bit more comfortable. Oregon's rushing attack should be able to run a little bit on Stanford. Um, and Stanford might have some issues with that Oregon defense. I wouldn't be stunned if they did. I'm going to take Oregon on the road plus 10 and a half. It, it's not, it's not a fun thing I'm doing here. I don't enjoy it. I don't like taking a team that's super banged up with a backup freshman quarterback plan on the road against a ranked team, but I'm going to do it because Stanford, uh, I'm just not convinced they're going to do uh, what we all think is the reasonable thing at quarterback. I think they're still going to platoon those guys, and I think it could um, could backfire and make this a much closer game than it should be. So I'm going to take Oregon in those points. Yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm going with you on this one too, mostly because my rule is I'm not picking Stanford to cover any more spreads, even though I think Stanford's back and I think they have a chance to win the North. 
and they're looking really good. Um, I'm probably a little more optimistic about the defense for Stanford than Dave is, but um, I, Bryce Love might have a huge game in this one against Oregon. Even though I think the defense has been playing a lot better, uh, but if he goes for like a buck seventy-five, and really the the killer will be. He, he always gets at least one 50 yard touchdown, right? The last eight games. Right, right, right. If you get like two of those, then it's just going to be backbreaking. And I think they cover, but if, if Oregon hold them to only one 50 plus yard touchdown, um, we've seen David Shaw just not do things to like salt the game away. He just like, so 10 and a half, you're like, you know, I could easily see Stanford being up 10 and like playing four corners and just not even, you know, just like trying to get the game over with. Um, and you just kind of like cruise your way into a, to a cover in this one. I think Stanford wins for sure. I'm just not sure they're going to win by a lot. Uh, if Oregon just like implodes and does all kinds of stupid stuff and has 12 penalties for 120 yards or something. Yeah. Then, then Stanford will cover, but I feel pretty good. I'll, I'll take Oregon in these points. Um, thinking Stanford's going to win, just not doing it as convincingly as you would always like them to do it. Yeah, and I, I, I think these lines are definitely getting a little bit tighter because the only one I feel reasonably, like, really confident in is Washington State at Cal. Like, I feel really good about that minus 13.5 for Washington State. And yeah, now that I've said that, of course, Cal's going to Cal's <laughs> gonna cover. But that's the only, like, every week before this, I felt, like, pretty good about, like, two or three games. Like, oh, okay, yeah, I've definitely got that one. And this week, one and kind of Colorado at Oregon State. The rest of them, yeah. Just yeah. look. It's, so. uh, they're, I mean, they're definitely getting better. Like we, I think we're usually a little ahead of Vegas on some, and you see lines that are just like, doesn't make sense. Like the, the Washington State, Oregon one from last week and stuff. But yeah, these ones are, these ones are better. They make you think more. Um, I mean, that's obviously they don't build all those casinos because they don't know what they're talking about, but just, you know, we're good. I, I'm pretty happy. I mean, Dave's got a 31 and 20 record, like absolutely. Crushing it, and I finally creeped up to twenty five and twenty six. So I'm back above um, five hundred again. So I feel good about that. Now I got to try to catch Dave, or at least get a little better. Um, but we're both back up above. You won't, but it's important to try. Right? Yeah, we're both back above five hundred. So at least we're you know, and after last year having a great year, which was closer, um, you're having a spectacular year. It's so, been great. Uh, and what's really stunning about it is I think I went zero and six or seven the first week, right? You were okay. So first week Wasn't we were like both a crazy week at the beginning. We were both zero and two, and then uh, I actually had a better second week. I went six and five, and you were five and six. Um, oh wow! I've been on fire for weeks then. Yeah, for you had one like five hundred, but the big one uh, was week three. I went four and seven, and you went nine and two. That was the one where yeah. we didn't get to do the picks uh, together, and I was just like, yeah, that didn't work that yeah. well. And there was a lot of games because it was all these out of conference games, so. All right, you ready to do some questions? Yeah, do you want me to start with one of the voicemails? Do you want to read some? What would you like to do? Let's start with a voicemail. Why not? Okay, this one, uh, you know, we'll do your neck of the woods. Um, do you think there's any, like, Cal fans that live in, like, Georgia that listen to the show? Here you go. Hey, Ryan. Hey, Dave. How you doing? This is uh, Derek. I'm calling out of Atlanta, Georgia, you know, East Coast uh, Pac-12 watcher. Uh, I'm a big Cal fan. Um, obviously a little disappointed again after the, uh, Washington loss. And I really just kind of want to talk about, I guess, the Cal offense right now. You know, you have injuries. Trey Watson's out. Demetrius Robinson's out. Now you have Kanawai Noah. He was out also. And I know we looked, I guess, at the earlier games. We thought they'd be a 
surefire bowl team. But now with all these injuries, I guess the O-line's looking a little more uh, vulnerable. Uh, the defense, obviously, is probably getting tired and tired. They're probably not going to be able to keep up the pace as long as the offense is going as it's going. And really, I guess um, the outlook for Cal has obviously changed a lot, and I guess want to see you guys' thoughts on that. Good question, uh, and uh, I, I I feel for you as an Atlanta person, as I am also an Atlanta person watching Pac-12 games. It's awful. Um, yeah, so outlook-wise, um, let's look at the remaining schedule. So Cal has uh, Washington State this week, which we're chalking up as a loss. They get Arizona at home, which I think is still winnable, even with Arizona looking decidedly better than they were last year. Um, I don't think they're completely invulnerable. Um, and then at Colorado, I think, is also winnable. Um, I, I don't think I would have Cal favored in either of those games, but I think both are winnable. And then Oregon State at home. Um, I think to feel good about bowling, uh, got to win at least two of those three. Um, because they finish at Stanford and at UCLA. I think in aggregate, they've got a chance in one of those games. I don't know which one. Um, but as it stands, they're, they're going to be in a tough spot to make a bowl the true six and six way. Um, they could still get in as a five and seven team because they've got so many damn bowl games, but, um, it would be a little bit more difficult. I don't know what their APR ranking is at. Um, but, yeah, from an outlook perspective, it's certainly gone downward a little. Um, and I, I think, you know, if we were being reasonable at the beginning of the year, we might have looked at USC, Oregon, and Washington and said, ah, oh, that's going to be a tough stretch to go anything other than 0-3 through. But after that USC game where they were pretty competitive and, you know, were tied at half, the whole deal, you thought maybe there's a chance. And then the last two weeks have been pretty bad. Obviously, a ton of injuries. Um, I think right now I'd probably be going 5-7. and seven. Uh, for the remainder of the year. I think they'll probably take two of Arizona, Colorado, and Oregon State, but might not win another game. Um, and I, I still don't think that's a bad thing. I think we've seen enough out of them defensively that that's clearly going in the right direction. And I think offensively, um, clearly they've got good people running that offense. And I think with, with you know, not this insane number of injuries, I think they would be in a lot better shape and probably a very comfortable bowl team. I don't know. What are your thoughts, Ryan? Yeah, I think, I mean, I, I think this is a team that surprised me. And even though, you know, record wise, they haven't won a Pac 12 game yet, they'll probably win a couple. Um, you know, can you get three wins out of the rest of the schedule? It might be tough, like Dave said, but it's going in the right direction. I think maybe if you're a Cal fan, you didn't expect this, um, coming into the season. And they started off strong. I mean, a couple of really nice wins. Could have beat USC. I mean, there's, they could win some of those games. I mean, they, who knows? They could win four of the, you know, four of their final six. I don't, probably not, but you know, they, I think they got a chance for the three. I think when you look at coaching in college, it's so important. And even though Justin Wilcox is a rookie, he's never done this before. He did a smart thing, bringing in really experienced former head coaches as his coordinators. I think that's made a big difference. And I think. If they get some guys healthy on offense, it'll look better. I think the defense is playing really well. I like the aggressive style. Um, I, you know, Tim Druder is a you know, big fan of his. I think he's going to do a really good job. So I, I think there's some optimism here if you're a Cal fan and don't feel horrible if it ends up, you know, the same record as last year, five and seven. Um, you know, it's, it's just, that's just is what it is. You get three, if you get three wins in the conference, which that's what they did last year too, and go to a bowl game. I think that's a huge win. Uh, it might be tough. 
Um, but if you get one, if you get three wins, there's going to be a really good win in there that you're going to feel good. Like, wow, yeah, we beat whoever. Um, so I'd feel some optimism if I was a Cal fan right now. Yeah. And I would circle the UCLA game as one of those, even if they do go, um, uh, two and one in that three game stretch and don't get the sixth win before, uh, the Stanford game. UCLA is going to be that's six days after they play USC. And that's always kind of a letdown spot for UCLA. Um, so Cal could do. I mean, essentially what they did last year, which is catch a sleepwalking UCLA team and just blow them out. I mean, that was 36-10 last year, and it shouldn't have been. So uh, I would keep that one in the, you know, even if UCLA does look better, um, I would keep that one in the back of your mind as a potential win as well. So, All right. Do you want to, right, next, do, you want to do the next voicemail, or do you want to move to some emails? Uh, yeah, well, let's do the, we'll do the next voicemail. That's fine. We'll take care of those first. Um, this one's a Bruin fan, if I'm not mistaken, Dave. Yeah, hey, wanted to leave a brief voicemail. Bruin Bruiser here, long-time listener of the podcast. Love the cat flying with dogs format. I uh, wanted to make three points real quick. So I watched the Stanford-Utah game yesterday, and this targeting rule, those two targetings within like one minute at the end of the game during garbage time, it changed. I mean, the bottom line is offensive players drop their head, and then they get hit, and uh, the, the guy then misses the second half or, or misses the first half of the next game. That's just ridiculous. Uh, two, Troy Williams is the difference between uh, top 10 Utah and garbage Utah. Unfortunately, every year Utah's is basically held back either by him specifically or by some other lousy quarterback that keeps them from being really good. And finally, the Pac-12 has three tiers of teams, Tier 1, Washington and Washington State. I know, Dave, you posted only Washington State's good. I don't know if you had a chance to watch Washington. I know Cal is garbage, but Washington is really good. Tier two is Stanford and SC. SC is uh, fortunately not as good as some of us feared, but uh, but they're still very formidable. And if they get some of those injuries uh, taken care of, I think they could uh, they could have a quite a run at the end. Plus they have a ridiculous schedule. So, and then tier three is everyone else. Oh, and I left out tier nowhere. That's Oregon State. How they are that bad is uh, mind-boggling. Anyway, love the podcast. Thank you very much. Take care. Great, great voicemail. Are you the cat or the dog, Dave? Am I, or if we're cats and dogs, I don't know which one. Cats lying down with dogs. I mean, I'm a much more of a dog guy. I don't like cats. Um, so I'll be a dog here. All right. Fine. You can be a cat. I'll be a cat. You seem more feline than me. I don't think I'm, <laughs> I don't, I don't think I have many feline qualities. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know where we're going with this. <laughs> Since I started it, why did I start that? Um, <laughs> <laughs> so first up he wanted to know about what, the I, mean, what t- I mean is i'll pee and poop anywhere you have to pee in a box <laughs> right, okay gotcha right. i do try to keep it like you know clean like that um right, right. targeting i kind of thought those were targeting i think it's kind of a silly i thought they were fair both guys dipped their heads which i think is one of the big issues because it's also to protect the tackling player like yeah. it's supposed to um in some way kind of deter them from doing things that could potentially injure themselves as well as the other players. So I was fine with both of them. I thought the second one was a little bit more questionable, but the first one I thought was clear targeting. Yeah, they they had one, uh, what was it? I think in the Washington State game that they called on the field against USC or against Washington State, and then they took it away, and I'm like, it looked like targeting. I don't know why you would have taken it away. But I'm if trying to remember, but I remember I remember watching it, um, and it, it, it wasn't targeting. It could have been a personal foul. Uh, okay. I'm, re- I'm trying to remember exactly the hit, but yeah, I, I remember it because I saw you tweet afterwards and I was going to respond with something like, oh, no, it was it was okay, but there was, uh, it's lost. It's gone now. Yeah, there's a lot of arbitrary 
the, the whole point is like there's the arbitrary stuff. Like they take it away, they like call it and they can take it away and they could t- call it, take it away, but it had a personal foul associated with it. So there's a penalty still or they take it away and there's no personal foul. So there's no penalty. And, and the whole missing like the next game, the fact that, you know, we've seen players in the bowl game get targeted in the second half and miss the first half of the opener the next year. Seems very arbitrary. I mean, just like, okay. I mean, there's just some weird stuff with that. I get you want to try to protect everybody, but like automatic ejection, I don't know. Yeah, for sure. But, uh, the other one was there's, there's Troy Williams, garbage Utah and top 10 Utah. Oh, 100%. He's 100% right. If, if, if Tyler Huntley was still healthy, I'm going to, I'm going to hold with this till the day I die about this Utah team. If Tyler Huntley were still healthy and progressing, uh, they would be, they would probably be my favorite in the South right now. They, they very well could be, um, because that's the difference is like he was, Huntley was in there and he was a quarterback that could make things happen. He wasn't a quarterback like, you know, holding the spot. So, and hopefully no, nothing he, bad he happens. He was a playmaker. I mean, yeah. Darren, Carrington was talking about him like he was Marcus Mariota and he played with Mariota, but the, and yeah, players always talk up their quarterbacks, but like the things he was saying about Huntley. And if you watch them play, I mean, just electric with the ball at the arm. The whole deal. Um, so hopefully he comes back because he was a lot of fun to watch, and hopefully he comes back fully healthy. And then the tiers, he has Washington, Washington State as the top tier. 100% Sta- right. Stop. 100% right. Yeah, Stanford, USC, second tier, everybody else, and then Oregon State. Yeah, and it, again, Utah with Huntley, I'd throw him into that second tier, uh, but without him, I think they're in the uh, in the garbage pile with everyone else. Right, and I think, I mean, you've seen the potential from Stanford and USC that they could both, I think they can both win the conference. But right now it's going through the Huskies and the the Cougs. Oh, sure. All right, email questions? Yeah, and I'll read some tweets a little bit later too, but let's go email. All right, this is from Zach. Hate rankings. Hey, Ryan and Dave, let's do some hate rankings. Please rank the below list on a one to five scale with one being moderate dislike to five being wouldn't piss on it them if they were on fire level hate. All right, um, USC lums and the estate tax. So I think he's saying that USC alums are generally rich. Is that what we're okay. uh, UCLA football, uh, basketball fans and Keanti Dan. Okay. So that's Dan Guerrero. Um, suck. Oh, I think he means USC. Uh, cause he's got dollar sign UC. I think he might have misspelled this. Uh, uh, typo, I guess. Yeah. USC fans, uh, recent USC coaches, Kiffin Sark and Helton and Scott Wolf. Um, <laughs> UCLA fans, recent UCLA coaches, Darrell, Ricky, Jim, uh, and uh, Nestor and his Bruins Nation crew. What happened to those uh, <clears throat> fellows anyway? Uh, he doesn't say fellows. And then Dave and Clay Travis. Um, all right, so on the hate rankings. I well, think I'm confused. Got... I mean, this is a funny list, but I'm not sure what I'm doing here. Okay, so I think it's um, <laughs> the person, the first thing and how much they hate the second thing. Right, so oh. USC alums and the estate tax, UCLA football fans and uh, Dan Guerrero, uh, USC fans and coaches. Oh, and gotcha. Okay. All right. UCLA fans and coaches and Nestor and his Bruins Nation crew. All right, so I'm gonna go. Um, I think generally UCLA fans aren't too happy with Dan Guerrero. I don't know enough about USC fans and their relationship with Scott Wolf. Maybe you can clue me in. They, yeah, they mostly hatred for Scott Wolf. He's he actually is an alum of USC and, uh, epic troll, epic troll, but he trolls a lot. And, uh, but he get you know, he's a very popular blog. Um, he's been doing it on the beat for like 20 years. 
Um, but yeah, he loves to, usually his eight, he's an AP voter. And when USC was like, everyone had him three or four, he had him like 13 or 14. Well, you could argue he was right, <laughs> but they hate it. Like, but he was no one, no other AP voter had him like outside the top 10 and he would just to be kind of be like contrarian or whatever. But you can argue he was correct because that's about where they are right now. Right. And how do you feel about the estate tax as a USC alum? Um, I don't know much. Of, I don't really have like some grand estate. You're so not a I'm, big fan of taxes, though. Right? I do not. No, I'm a, a fiscal conservative person. So, yes, I would. So I'm up there. Yeah. Right, so, so we'll say no. Uh, so we'll say that's probably in the medium hate section. What about I'll you and Clay Travis? Because like I'm, I'm actually buddies with Clay. I like Clay Travis. So if you, I, I, I don't, I don't like Clay. <laughs> I, I don't like the shtick. I, I, I just don't like the whole, the whole thing there. I'm sure he's a fine guy in person. I don't like his shtick at all. <laughs> uh, and I, I've, I've, I've made that known on Twitter a few times. But um, oh, okay. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that borders on hate. Um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't. I don't carry that much regard in any to, way. We could get him on as a guest if you want. Should we have him on the show no, at some point? Or? No, no, <laughs> no, no. Um, all right. So I'll put I'll put Dave and Clay Travis in the medium hate category. I'll put UCLA fans and Dan Guerrero in the heavy hate category. Um, I'll say UCLA fans and UCLA coaches with the Bruins Nation crew because they also encompass them. I think there are some UCLA fans on the Bruins Nation crew. I'll put that on the relatively low hate, especially in this day and age when um, it's not quite at its height in terms of Nestor and some of the trolling there. Um, Scott Wolf, are we putting that in the high hate or the low hate? Uh, probably high hate, I guess. Okay, so Guerrero and Scotty Wolf are probably in the uh, in the higher hates. Estate tax is probably middle-ish. Me and Clay Travis, middle-ish. And then I would put the Bruins Nation stuff at the bottom. Okay. All right. Uh, we have a lot of questions. Next, I didn't realize this. Like, there's a lot. There's a lot of questions. We okay. got to move. Yeah, um, let's move. Through. Okay. So this is from Steve. Uh, podcast format. USC at Jersey Shore subscriber on the Peristyle. Good job to both of you on the podcast and that you've requested input on where to place the team sound. Okay. So he gives us more advice and then he has uh, some questions. Also disagree with Dave's assessment that Rosen at UW would make the Huskies a better team than that he expect a better team and that he expected to be blasted by UW fans. Overlooking Rosen's somewhat polarizing personality, which is every indication that Rosen is far from a team player and more than a few NFL scouts saying that he isn't coachable. Uh, this is yeah okay. Uh, anyway, uh, Jake Browning has a higher QBR, ranked number fifteen with seventy-seven point three QBR, while and the chosen one is ranked number twenty-one with a seventy-four point four QBR. Further, over each of the last three years, Browning has higher completion percentages and has a higher QB rating each and every year, while the chosen one has not quite twice as many passing yards as Browning, 21, 2,135 yards versus 1,251 yards. Those numbers have more to do with UCLA's imbalance of 249 passing plays to 136 running plays versus Washington's 141 passing plays versus 171 running plays. The come-from-behind win against Texas A&M and the unsuccessful attempts to do so against Memphis and Stanford. That's not a complete sentence. I don't. Know They're just kind was. of ended. I think he might have got bored. Off. At, yeah, just... <laughs> might have got bored by all the numbers. Um, uh, yeah, um, I, 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 I disagree, um, but I, I don't disagree strongly. I think Jake Browning's a fine quarterback. Um, I think Rosen, especially this year, has shown uh, quite a bit more in terms of NFL and pro potential. Um, and I think a lot of that polarizing personality stuff is related to a few tweets and Instagram posts he's put up that don't really have much to do with anything on the field. 
Uh, everything I've heard about Rosen from a team player standpoint and all that kind of stuff is not, I mean, it's, it's fine. It's great. Uh, generally been thought of as a good teammate. So I don't, I think a lot of it is, uh, people not necessarily liking an outspoken player who has thoughts and opinions about things, but he does. And I think it's fine. So that's where I stand on that. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm not trying to troll Jake Browning here, but you, if you want to compare like college numbers, they're on different teams. I mean, it's, it's a whole different everything. But I haven't talked to any, when you talk to NFL scouting people, I've not talked to anyone that said, yeah, I would recommend a team take Browning over Rosen. I don't think that's well, going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, even as a college quarterback, like right now, like if I'm looking at a team and like all the other pieces are in place, I'm taking Rosen over Jake Browning. Yes. And that's no offense to Jake Browning. I think Jake Browning's really good. I think he's like, uh, by a pretty much any calculation, a top third in this league, probably quarterback. You know, like in terms of actually playing the position, not just being like a runner, but like actually uh, being like a thrower. Uh, but I still, I mean, I don't know. Am I completely off there? Am I am I looking at this through like no, no, no. covered glasses? I think he's, uh, especially this year, shown so much more. And he really impressed me, one, by pissing off David Shaw enough that he wouldn't recruit him. And two, pissing off Trent Dilfer and having him like rank him like the lowest ranked quarterback at the Elite 11. That made it for me. I, that's, that, that makes me a Josh Rosen fan at this point. Yep. All right. Uh, another question. You ready? Yeah. FCS cup steak, cupcakes. This is from Keon. I think Keon. I don't, K-I-A-N. Keon. I think so. I think you're right. All right. Uh, hi, Dave and Ryan. I just discovered your podcast a few weeks back and it's already my favorite. Kudos to you both for your quality commentary. My question is this. UCLA and USC are two of only three FBS schools to not play FCS schools during their non-conference schedules, the third being Notre Dame. As a UCLA fan, I appreciate this. I don't see the fun in watching my team beat up on an opponent that has a clear and significant talent disadvantage. To me, it's just a way to inflate stats and to guarantee a win. Well, usually at least. What's your take on this? Should the rest of the Pac-12 follow suit? After all, there are plenty of local lower-tier FBS schools out there, Idaho, UNLV, San Jose State, to score an easy win against an opponent with a fighting chance. Thank you and keep up the good work. You know what I would actually say is I don't know that there are plenty. Um, there are some for sure. Uh, you've got San Diego State, and they're not a lower – well, they're lower tier, but they're obviously very good this year. You've got San, San Diego State, you've got San Jose State, you've got UNLV, you've got Idaho, and you've got Nevada and Hawaii. Like Fresno State, there's – you know, there's some. There's like – There's some, but is there enough for every Pac-12 team to avoid playing an FCS school when they're trying to get local scheduling going on? Yeah. I, I don't know. I think it's hard. I think – I you know, that's nice that USC, UCLA, and Notre Dame have not done that. I'm not going to tell teams that they can't. Um, I think it's good where if it's a team that you're fighting for a playoff spot, that should hurt you uh, if you're doing that. So – you know, Washington got trolled by ESPN because they played cupcakes. Did you see that? That was. Yeah, we're going to get, uh, there's a question about that. Coming up. <laughs> that was a little crazy. Um, but yeah, so I'm not totally against this happening. I'd rather not see it, you know, happen a ton, but it, it's a payday for those schools. Sometimes it's just a, you know, a way to kind of get through for, you know, if Oregon State wants to play an FCS school, it's like, okay, whatever. I'm not going to say it, but you know, if right. Washington wants to do it, I'd probably say that you probably shouldn't do that. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm fine with it generally, and I think it it helps to boost those FCS schools too. Like it gives yeah. them a big payday, and it also gets some some exposure. You know, nobody knew about Eastern Washington before they started, you know, beating up on teams in the FBS. Um, you know, and I think that and North Dakota State's another one. So, um, 
but yeah, it's a good question. Um, I just don't know that it's realistic for every team to only play FBS schools. I just think when you want to schedule local teams, sometimes you're kind of left with what's available. Yeah. Um, all right. We got another question. This one from Anthony. I asked this question before the season started. Now that we are midway through the season, where would you rank Darnold, Rosen, Browning, and Falk among the other Power 5 QBs? Um, so he's got Lamar Jackson, Kelly Bryant, Trace McSorley, JT Barrett, Baker Mayfield, Mason Rudolph, Jalen Hurts, Shea Patterson. Uh, you said Kelly Bryant replaced DeAndre Francois. That's, uh, yeah. That's and, uh, Shea Patterson replacing Austin Allen, both because uh, Francois got hurt and Austin Allen has not been good. But Francois uh, doesn't play for Clemson, so he's talking about... He's just saying a couple quarterbacks from each of the uh, other Power oh, Fives. Okay. Basically the top two quarterbacks from each of the other Power Five schools, or Power Five leagues. Okay. Um, I would probably still take Lamar Jackson first, um, but then I think Rosen might be my number two now. That's right. Yeah, that's tough. I mean, it depends what kind of, it's so hard because it depends what kind of team you're running. Um, yeah. I don't want Lamar Jackson on Stanford, you know. Um, but like Baker Mayfield, I think he could play just about anywhere. Um, I'd like him, you know, Rose. I mean, they're, the guys, the best guys for me are probably Mayfield and Jackson out of that list. I mean, I like Shea Patterson a lot. It's just tough. Um, cause all this is so bad. Yeah. And I'd put, you know, Rosen in there. I, Last year, Darnold I put in there. I'm not putting the way he's playing right now, but I'd put Falk in there too. So those are probably like my kind of top four, I guess. Go Rosen, Falk, uh, Mayfield, and Jackson. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I would put probably Jalen Hurts in my bottom tier here along with JT Barrett. Um, and I think the other Pac-12 quarterback kind of fill out the middle. Like they're yeah. in that like kind of Mason Rudolph, Trace McSorley kind of category yeah Ru- uh, rudolph and mcsorley could be up there but mcsorley just doesn't have he's got more of a jake browning kind of arm strength thing but he does throw the ball downfield a lot he does he just throws these pop-ups downfield and his guys yeah. make catches you know yeah and he hasn't quite been that same type of big play guy this year either right uh he's yeah. another guy who's maybe not taking a step back but just taking a different step this year yeah so but yeah, good question. We'll um, and maybe we should reevaluate that one again at the end of the year. Yeah, we'll see. I, I think Darnold can get back up there. Just the way he's playing right now, I can't put him in that group. For sure. All right. All right. We've got one from John in Brea. Uh, dearest Ryan and Dave, I'm addicted to the podcast of champions. Sweet. I was going through the trash dump tr- dumpster at the Pac-12 offices and I came across a crumpled up to-do list. Can you please look at this list and tell me if you think Larry Scott should still try to accomplish the items that were not crossed off as completed? One, reset the divisions. Put Stanford and Cal in the south, Utah and Colorado in the north, where they belong. Oh, uh, that would figure out, that would actually solve some scheduling issues. Yes, it would. Um, whew, I like that one. I'm down with it. Like, I, I, nothing pops in my head why that shouldn't happen. I, I'm trying to remember why they did it originally. Was it competitive balance or something? Um, did they, I don't know. Arbitrary Seems- or? Arbitrary. Maybe it was part of the negotiations to get Utah and Colorado in. They needed a an annual trip to L.A. Yeah, maybe. I'm not sure. We'll have to find out. Um. Anyway, okay. So that's interesting. Uh, he's crossed off 3:30 p.m. Manny Petty. Uh, he's crossed <laughs> off pick out new countertops for the Pac-12 office bathrooms, and then move from a nine-game to an eight-game conference football schedule. I don't care enough about this one. I just want them to figure out a way to coordinate with the other leagues so that they're all doing the same thing. Yeah. And if that means going to an eight game, fine. But 
do whatever everyone else is doing. Yeah, Larry Scott was asked about this recently, and he's, he's you know, obviously never anything. Oh, it's great. It's It actually gives us a chance to – no, it gives everyone – there's an extra half a loss in there for everybody. So it's right. not – and if it was a good. true round robin, fine. Okay, I get it. Then you don't have to have a conference championship game, and that takes that loss away from the champion. But this one is – I mean, it, there's no reason for the nine games. It's right. not like you get a true round robin with no. 12 teams anyway. No. So, dumb. Uh, he is crossed off by Mark Hale. And then, uh, move <laughs> Pac-12 championship game to Pullman to increase likelihood of a sellout. No. Moving the Pac-12 championship game to Vegas is going to be the best. The it's best. going to be incredible. So, obviously that. Dave and right? I will do live podcasts from oh, there. I will, I will fly out there in a heartbeat. Yeah. Um, tell DirecTV that at this point any deal is better than no deal. Um, I just don't know enough about the dynamics, but I, I kind of feel you. I mean, it just gets a, a, like, do like a three year deal where you're like, just don't, like, just pay us whatever. And just so we get a little bit more exposure while we're trying to build this thing. Yeah. Like, that would be good. But, all right. And then he says, thanks for the most entertaining and informative podcast in the world. Thanks, John. What a guy. That was good. That was a good question. Yeah. Thanks, John. Uh, uh, all right, uh, this is from Terry. Uh, Rosen at UW, USC Pac-12 scheduling. Two, uh, hey, Dave and Ryan, two-hour podcast... Oh, this is for, sorry, from Scott in, uh, in Washington State. Uh, two-hour podcasts during the season are fine by me. Don't find them too long at all. If Rosen or Donald from last year were UW QB and not Jake Browning, we go from being a college football playoff contender to rolling through the Pac-12 and being able to stand in there versus Clemson, Bama, etc. with a legitimate chance to win versus having to play have all five pivotal swing plays go our way in order to beat them, which is what had to happen last year versus the Crimson Tide. All through high school and during Jake's time here, he's had very few games where there's been game pressure on him. Most of that time, he has played with very large leads, especially in high school, and plays very well under that scenario. In the two and a half years he's been the starter for UW, he has never made a drive when it counted in the fourth quarter or put the offense on his back to win a football game. That is much the narrative up here and is what Husky fans are waiting for as far as Jake taking the next step. Time will tell. I understand what you were saying about the Pac-12 scheduling and agree with Ryan that it's more sloppiness on the conference's part than something intentional. That being said, here's my snarky comment about it. So the Pac-12 made USC play the Death Valley trio of at Cal, at Washington State, and their 34,000 fans at home versus Oregon State in succession. Wow, what a murderer's row. If I went back 30 years and added all the four and five stars those teams have recruited combined, SC would still have 40 more on their current roster today. How many players did SC recruit hard for, meaning really wanted, that are on those three teams today? I would guess no more than 10. USC's loss to Washington State was about a lot of things. Coaching, injuries, offensive identity are the three big ones that come to mind for me. Unfair scheduling is not one of them. Thanks for letting me rant. So here's my question. Alibaba purchased the rights to Pac-12 sports to be able to show them over in China for the next several years. What am I missing big picture with Larry Scott's vision? It seems he is trying to gain a foothold in a market that probably has little to no desire for his product, while the network he has here in America... People either can't get or don't care to watch what's on it, i.e. Olympic sports. Thanks for the weekly pods. Go dogs. Thanks. Good stuff from Scott. Yeah, Scott. Wait, now, is, before we jump in, is Scott the one that was tweeting us about the scheduling question? Is that that we, that we weren't answering? No, 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 no. That was our, that was our man, Andrew. Okay. That was Andrew. So we, do we, will we get to that one? I guess we can get to that at some point or whatever. Cause I don't quite understand what he was saying. Uh, but we'll go on. So yes, um, the Death Valley trio. I love that. I think in general, and, you know, John Wilner, who doesn't have a dog in this fight, to have, you're going to make people play Friday night road games. Don't have it be following a road game before. I, no matter what, like, I, I, and he's, he came out, Wilner came out with a piece about Washington, some of the stuff that's unfair to them too. 
USC did have to play all four Pac-12 North teams. They play Stanford the second week of the season. That's probably not that smart. And having the back-to-back road games, six days rest. I, To me, I don't think you should have teams do that. Now, certainly, Oregon State's no good. You know, Cal gave them a game. But just in general, I don't think you want to see those sort of things happen, especially when it's two teams like USC and Washington State, that if it was on a Saturday, you would have had college game day coming to the Pac-12. And now, I'm not sure if college game day will make it out all year. They, uh, they only play four conference road games, and they're avoiding Washington and Oregon. True. So, yeah, I mean, it could have been set up even a little bit more favorably for them, but it was set up pretty favorably for them. I mean, if you look at it like, okay, so they got Stanford early, which is probably the best time to get Stanford ever, so I don't have any problem with scheduling that one early. Um, and then they had one tough game against Washington State on the road and lost. And, like, honestly, you look at that game, 30-27, but you look at, like, the stat lines, Washington State should have won that one even bigger. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was just, I mean, yeah, I get it, like, from a, like, a broad perspective, like, you know, this season in a vacuum type deal, but, um, I, 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 this, I I get it from, like, that perspective, but I also get it from the, and this is what I was explaining the other day when we were doing this, is you're going to get figured out at some point anyway, if you're the kind of team that's going to lose, um, to Washington State on the road in the fifth game of the year, right? Like, you know, the way AUSC has been playing, they're not a playoff contender anyway. And if they were a real playoff contender, they probably beat Washington State on the road, or it's a close enough loss that it doesn't even matter, and they still roll through the remaining schedule. The problem for USC isn't that they have a scheduling issue. The problem for USC is that they're not yet as good as everybody thought they were going to be preseason. Yeah. Or at least that's my take on oh, it. I agree. But, yeah. I mean, the not, certainly not an excuse. That's not why they lost that game. They lost, I mean... They could, yeah, it was, you know, but having no bye week, I, you know, it's like, whatever. I, it doesn't, that stuff doesn't really bother the, me. The no bye weeks thing is stupid. Like, it's just dumb. They should, uh, the, I don't know why they can't figure out a way to get everyone a bye yeah. week. Maybe there's some weird thing that I'm missing, but it's but so it, stupid. In the end, it might work out, like, that might hurt Washington or Washington State. You know, if USC ends up winning the South and gets an extra week to rest, you know, like, who knows? But I don't like the back to back road games. Where it's like a Friday night or a Thursday. Or no, that's like that. it's it's dumb, and it's like something that should be figured out at the yeah. college level. But that's, that's not. A, no, I'm not trying to like give. You know, USC played like crap. Like they deserve to lose the game. It's not. Oh yeah. yeah. That's. Not, I'm sorry. No, no, that no, came no, across no, as not what I'm saying. For sure, for sure, for sure, for sure. Um, and then I love his thing on Browning. And then. Um, oh my God! Yeah, drop the mic on his Browning take. That's a dog fan, everybody. I'm just going to point to Scott from yeah. now on. Like, just ask Scott. Yeah. He's got my opinion on Jake Browning. Yeah. Yeah, Scott, and he says, like, that's what the, the Husky fans up there are saying. So oh. we're, we're with Scott and the Husky fans who are a silent majority. Um, <laughs> and then no one has any idea what Larry Scott's doing. No it's clue. Joke. It's, it's, a, it's a clownish joke. Uh, no, pa- football in general isn't popular worldwide. Why would, like, some weird conference in some weird league be popular? And I know China gets into some niche stuff. I know UCL, UCLA is, like, a big lifestyle brand over there. I get it. But... I, I just don't, I, I don't understand what Larry Scott's doing. No, no I, but whatever. So uh, if you're like on vacation and you're like from, you know, say you're yeah. like Dave and you live in Atlanta and you're like traveling through China on vacation and, and you're, you're a big, uh, Stanford fan and, oh, I couldn't get the Pac-12 network in my house in Atlanta, but I can get it while I'm on vacation in my hotel room in China. Yeah. I don't know if that's what that means, but you know, so maybe there's something there. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. 
All right, we got some from Frank. You ready for this? Sure. All right, this and that. Hi, Ryan and Dave. Thank you for offering your services for free. You do a great job. Thanks, Frank. Uh, question one. Dave, since you have now immersed yourself in the Deep South, are there any stark differences you can share between Southern college football and UCLA or West Coast football in general that you maybe already knew, but now you can see, smell, hear, taste, and feel firsthand? So the interesting note there is I have yet to be to a Southern college football game as a resident of the South uh, because I still have to watch all of these Pac-12 football games, <laughs> uh, including UCLA. And it just hasn't yet worked out where there's been an attractive game to go to on like a UCLA bye week. Um, thinking about making it to actually not an SCC game, but to a UNC game because uh, the semi-in-laws, um, one of the, they, they played at UNC. So uh, might do that. Um, I'm still trying to debate what my like SEC adopted team is going to be. Like when I actually do start like trying to go to games again, because I do miss kind of the whole tailgating atmosphere and the whole thing. Um, so if you've got any thoughts about it, feel free to share them. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm in Atlanta, so I'm pretty close to Georgia, pretty close to Tennessee. I'm pretty close to Auburn. I'm close enough to Tuscaloosa that I couldn't see myself as a Bama fan. Um, I could even, uh, you can talk me into Georgia Tech. Probably can't talk me into Clemson. Um, but you can talk me into even a South Carolina. Uh, but let me know. Let me know, uh, let me know in your comments what you think I should be doing. Yeah. My wife is going to try to talk you into Tennessee. And I think it's a good, you know, parallel to UCLA, East Coast, West Coast sort of thing. I don't know if I can deal with a parallel to UCLA. All right. Uh, I might need to pick a winner for once they might life. fire their coach they might fire butch jones if it's just going to be a casual like fandom like not a real fandom but just like casually this yeah. is going to be a my watch when you know i'm just going to a game i want it to be somebody who's consistently good oh, like you could talk okay. into georgia like georgia would be great yeah you could do that they're like they're consistently like good they're maybe they won't win a natty but they're consistently good yeah they're good they just don't like win the big games um yeah exactly. tennessee would okay. like because like this week butch jones came out and said uh it had like the greatest bye week ever, even though there was like rumors of players fighting in the locker room. There were tweets about players unhappy. Uh, there's all these rumors that they want to hire John Gruden and he was going to be fired. So according to him, that's the greatest bye week they've ever had. So that's pretty good. Yep. That's kind of good all stuff. Right, uh, more from Frank. Uh, Dave, do you sense any pressure on the Southern media or scouts to lose their objectivity if they had any? Um, I vaguely remember a story about scouts in other territories wondering why the West Coast guys didn't rate Jalen Phillips higher after he was tearing up the army bull practices. Um, I think, so I think this happens to everybody. Um, but when you're like, so if you're in this kind of weird little industry, you've got to have relationships with coaches and stuff. And also there's proximity bias. Like the guys you see every day in like seven on seven stuff and all this kind of junk, you're probably going to rate them a little bit higher than the guys you see maybe once at like the army bull or whatever. Um, but I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on this? I think it's, you know, when you have a national network where like scout rivals, like those, you know, those guys have boots on the ground everywhere. And I think they get rated a little more evenly. Um, scout, like where we were part of probably rates the West coast stronger because they have stronger analysts on the West coast than, than the other networks. I think the real bias was more of the ESPN side of it than anything where, I mean, they just like Greg Wiggins used to work for ESPN. And they wouldn't let him evaluate anybody. All evaluations came out of Bristol or whatever. So, you know, they wouldn't. That's, that's so, a strong idea. Yeah, definitely yeah. don't. The guy is really good at evaluating. Right, yeah. Here. And that's part of the reason why he left and came back to uh, to scout or whatever. But 
I just think they, it's more about their all American game and stuff like that. So I, the ESPN rank, ESPN rankings to me are the ones that don't make as much. And like, you know, Jalen Phillips went to the army game. They don't rate the guys that are in the army game as high as the ones that go to the, the under armor game and all that. So all my, right. my uh, opinion there. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And then question three for both Ryan and Dave. The Los Angeles Chargers just cut their starting kicker midseason, and I know you don't like to throw shade at the players, so I won't ask you who should be benched on the teams you cover unless you would like to answer. So please choose one position coach who just hasn't gotten the job done so far midseason. If you're asking, yeah, I, I don't think we can do this either. Yeah. Like, yeah, sorry. Too many, right. too, many, too many relationships there. Uh, question four. Speaking of Young Hoku, are there any names around the Pac-12 you would like to add to the all-name team this year? I mean, Jet Toner. Jet Toner, Jet 100%. Awesome. Yeah. 100%. Um, he sounds like a printer. It's great. I love it. Jet Toner. Um, all right. Keep up the good work from Frank. All right. We got Nick's rundown. You ready for this? Yeah, we got to keep uh, rolling. I'm just going to keep going. I'm going to get through these, and then we can go to some tweets if you want to, or we can just yeah. call it. But here we go. All right, Pac-12 rundown questions. Hi, this is Nick from Cyprus, a.k.a. Big Nick from the P. Garbage 10. I think, he, again, I think he misspelled Oregon State. Uh, garbage <laughs> 10 versus USC 38. No, USC doesn't meet the spread, but beat up on a 1-11 garbage team in Oregon. Garbage is 1-11, and while the game was a bit boring and dragged, I hate 1 o'clock starts. Thank you, Pac-12 Network. Wazoo 33 versus Oregon 10. Well, Oregon lost to a better team. Wazoo and Mike Leach just keep winning. Can't say anything negative about Leach. Cal 7 versus UW 38. Well, one thing for sure here, Cal needs to get back in the win column after starting 3-0. and They are now 0-3. Not a good trend. UW is undefeated, and I hope one of those Washington schools remains undefeated so USC can beat them in the Pac-12 title game. Upset alert! U of A 45 versus Colorado 42. K Tate broke a quarterback running record for the NCAA, some 300 yards run by himself to slay an average Colorado team who now has zero chance of representing the Pac-12 South in the title game. K Tate might have saved Trod's job, and I can see them making a bowl game. Watch out, UCLA, next week. Stanford 23 versus Utah 20. KJ Costello needs to just be Stanford's QB. He's the better of the group and will give them the best chance to rep the team in the future. Utah had a letdown before the big game. Questions. This is for David, the lovable loser, Bruin Woods. <laughs> was it true? Yeah, I know. Wow. Was it true UCLA was looking at Mike Leach to be their coach? What did you think of it then, and where do you think UCLA would be now? I don't know how seriously they were considering him. I heard early on that it wasn't really a good fit for what UCLA wanted to do, which I guess they probably just meant they thought Mike Leach was too crazy for them. Um, and what did you think of it then? I thought it would be a good hire from a football perspective. Um, I had some concerns um, because he is a little bit of a maniac, but I love him. Um, and actually, now that I've seen him at Washington State, uh, I think it would have been great. Um, and where do you think UCLA would be now? I think they would be in a similar, if not better, position than Washington State is right now. Uh, better or worse off than Jimmy Moron. Mora, I think he meant to Typo. say here, but he put Moron. Uh, I think better. Um, I think Leach uh, started slowly, slowly but um, I think his system is more of a proven system than anything more has shown at the college level. Um Leach's offense has won pretty much everywhere he's been, and uh, he seems to have finally figured it out defensively, too, so I think they'd be in a better position. Uh, and then he's got one question for both of us. You ready for this? Yeah. This question is for both Ryan and David. Since we are halfway through the season, who do you think goes bowling this winter? Okay, so he's asking us to make our, our just who's who's a bowl team from the Pac-12. So I'm going to pull up our conference standings right now. Okay. One. I, one real one. quick before while you do that, um, I thought it had a great point on the Colorado team. Like, 
Colorado represented the South last year, and they're basically the one team that doesn't have a shot at doing it this year. Like everyone else no is pretty much in it, right? Isn't that crazy? It's crazy. Yeah, no chance. Yeah, uh, and there are five teams with a chance in the Pac-12 South. I did a little story today on it, but um, USC is still the favorite. But I think the other four all have varying degrees of a chance. Um, all right, so conference: uh, Washington, Washington State, and USC are all basically already bowl teams um, with five plus wins. Uh, Stanford's at four and two. They'll so go they to seem bowl. Like a bowl. They're going game. to bowl game. Yeah. Uh, Oregon. Let's just look at the remaining schedule to make sure we're not doing anything super foolish. Are there two more wins among at Stanford, at UCLA, Utah at home, at Washington, Arizona, and Oregon State at home? Yeah. Yes. So Oregon's going bowling. Uh, so that's four teams in the north. Cal. I'm gonna have them at five and seven. So they're on that kind of fringe. I think. Uh, USC's going bowling. Utah, um, even with Troy Williams. They're going I, bowling. I think, yeah, I've got them locked up as like an eight and four team, so I think they're going bowling. Uh, Arizona is three and two. If they beat UCLA this weekend, you've got to love their chances, even with a loss at Cal, Oregon State at home, and then one of at Oregon, at ASU to end the season feel like wins. Yeah. So I'm going to say or Arizona tentatively, yes. Yes, I think they go. And then UCLA, um, the, uh, I don't know how pessimistic to be. We're going to get a lot more information this weekend. If they win this weekend, it's going to be hard to see them not going bowling. Um, if they lose, uh, could get more difficult. Oregon, Oregon could do the same thing to them that Arizona does this weekend. Just run all over them. Um, and then they had, they'd have to beat ASU, Cal, and then some other team if they managed to lose the next two games. So, uh, kind of a critical win, uh, one of these next two weekends for UCLA. I think I'll tentatively say bowl team. Yeah. Six and six. But, and then Arizona State, uh, I'm going to have them. too tough. It's too tough. Yeah, I'm going to have them on the outside looking in. I think they're a four and eight, five and seven team. And then Colorado. And, then, and Colorado, and then, we said no, right? Colorado's three and three. Oh, yeah, let's see. Okay, let me look at the schedule. Um, so at three, Oregon three, State. Three. Yeah, at Oregon State. Okay. At Washington State, no. Cal at home, potential. At Arizona State, potential. USC at home, tough. At Utah, tough. I don't know. They'd have to sweep through the really, they'd have to sweep through the games where they, um, are 50 50 or better, which is at Oregon State, Cal, and at ASU. Yeah. That's a tall order. Um, I'm going to say Colorado maybe just narrowly misses it. So that puts it at, Four teams in the south and probably four teams in the north. Okay. Five teams, potentially five teams in the north if Cal makes it the five and seven teams. Yeah. So that's pretty good. Yeah. Um, all right. So that's Nick. Um, we got Alex. We got Alex in NYC. Arizona should run one play and one play only. Hello, Dave of the Twitter snark and Ryan the Trojan that doesn't trigger my gag reflex. <laughs> Let's look at Khalil Tate's stats against Colorado. 327 rushing yards for four TDs and a 23 yards per carry day. My question is simple. If Arizona passes the ball a single time against UCLA, should Rich Rod be fired? <laughs> Follow-up. If they run a play besides the quarterback read, should Rich Rod be fired? Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, I think they should run the ball on every single down. <laughs> Thanks, Alex. I'm glad I don't trigger your gag reflex. Uh, All right. Uh, Earl in West LA, you ready for this? Yeah, yeah. Standings. Guys, USC appears to have a roadmap to the championship game as they play the teams with winning records, Utah, Arizona, and UCLA at home, and the ones with losing records on the road, ASU and Colorado. 
The North is wide open with undefeated Washington, Washington State, and one loss Stanford with a two-game lead over Oregon and three-game lead over winless Cal and LSU. I can't see Washington State's undersized but quick defense stopping both Stanford and Washington. Right now, the way they are playing, I am picking Stanford to win the North for a rematch with USC in the championship game. Since you stayed up to 3 a.m. and saw all of those teams, what are your thoughts? It's, I mean, I think it's a great race up there. I, I think Stanford's got a shot, uh, but I, I don't agree with Earl. I think Washington State can, can do it all, too. I think any one of those three teams could win it. Um, Stanford won't win it with the kind of style points that maybe the other teams will, but Stanford... The way they're playing right now, they could win it too. Yeah, I would, I would, I would probably have Washington State as my favorite right now. Um, I think they're slightly undersized, but I think it's a really good defense, and I think they're super sound. Um, I, I, I've got Washington State as my slight favorite in the North, um, and I think uh, depending on, I mean, USC has got to right the ship. I mean, I, I, yes. Oh, completely. Making it a, sh- making a shoe in for the South, I think might be a bit of a misstep at this point. I still think they're like comfortably the favorite, but Utah. So Arizona at home is going to be a game. Like that's going to be a weird game. Um, because USC's offense hasn't been super good. Um, and Arizona's offense has been pretty darn good. Um, so that could get interesting. And I think even, Road games at ASU and Colorado are no sure thing. So um, I still think they'll probably win the South, but it's not a sure thing. And then uh, I don't know, like, given how they're playing right now, I don't know that they'd be favored over a Stanford team that's, like, looking like it's getting a little bit rolling. And then Washington, Washington State, I just don't know. So, yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, I think Washington State's my favorite in the North. Yeah, uh, I agree. All right. Uh, this is from Uchenna. Uh, question for the podcast. Hey, Ryan and Dave. What are your thoughts on ESPN's uber-defensive stance following Chris Peterson's comments about late games? Comments that, as John Wilner accurately broke down in his Saturday Night article, were not directed at ESPN. All last week on various ESPN college football shows, the respective analysts took turns dishing out their own little jabs at Peterson due to his comments, except Adam, Ritt- Adam Rittenberg and Heather Dinich, both of whom agreed with Peterson on their podcast. All of this culminated in Herb Street's condescending remarks on game day and some really unfortunate commentary during the actual game by Dave's favorite commentator, Rod Gilmore. He's so bad. It later came out during the pod broadcast that Peterson refused to visit with them during the week, so I'm guessing that didn't help things either. As a Husky fan who is mostly indifferent to the issue of start times, I found ESPN's actions to be unfortunate and unprofessional, revealing their thin skin to perceived slights. You guys do a great job, and I'm a big fan of the podcast. Keep up the good work, and Dave, your quick wit and sarcasm is greatly appreciated. Yes, Larry Scott also made an appearance during the broadcast. It was no surprise that he took the stance that he did, given their business partnership. I thought it was so weird um, because Peterson's comments, I thought, were completely fair and fine. And they weren't even that like negative towards anybody in particular. It was more we want to be on earlier in the day because we want people to see us and we're not on earlier in the day. And that's not great. Um, And then ESPN did so much crazy stuff like so Herb Street's thing was. I kind of understood what he was trying to say, but he said it in such a kind of weird, dickish kind of way where he was like, well, you should be lucky you're on TV anyway. And it, what he meant to say was like, you know, this is the, the beginning part of a relationship. Ten years ago, you would have been on, you know, Root TV or Versus or whatever. And, you know, this gets you on ESPN. And, uh, you know, obviously there's some stuff to work out there, but he didn't say that. Um, instead, he just was very condescending. And then in the game, 
not only uh, things that are getting a lot of focus is like Quinn Kasinich uh, putting up the cupcakes to represent um, Washington's schedule, but also the announcers were calling Peterson things like irascible during the game and like calling him like kind of a curmudgeon because he wouldn't talk to them this week. And it's like, keep that stuff behind doors. Like, is there no professionalism in terms of this stuff? Like, why do you think he's going to talk to you now? Like, why would you do that? It's just so weird. Um, so I thought all that was weird. I didn't know what you thought of it. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, he didn't mention ESPN on that. Um, it's more, I think it's more about the conference and, you know, people get critical of, a lot of the Larry Scott stuff and he's always like, Oh, everything's awesome and blah, blah, blah. And the rate, you know, I love that he talks about ratings for football games, but he won't talk about ratings for anything else because the ratings are zero and they will never tell everyone. Even the schools who pay for everything don't know what the ratings are on the program. But this, I mean, to me, this just shows how right Clay Travis has been about ESPN, you know, so I'm glad we can all be on the same page and be. <sighs> Oh man, if we were not already two hours into this stuff, I'd be giving you a piece of my mind. <laughs> Abraham. I didn't, yeah, I didn't like that. But see, I'd also, I'd also like Chris Peterson not speaking to the media there. That doesn't help your program. And it's, you know, but ESPN, I thought acted fairly terribly, uh, too on this whole thing. So, but I thought they were behaving like small children and I'm sure they feel a little bit insecurity in the present climate, but still. Yeah. No, but to. thanks to Clay for pointing this stuff out. Is great. Oh great God, I, uh, oh, I'm, I'm glad you're on the same page now. That you and Clay are on the same page. Ah uh, God, uh, I'm gonna fire off some angry tweets to whatever latest <laughs> bit of trolling he's done. No purpose. <laughs> bad way. He's bad at it. All right. So we have one more. Is that? Oh no, no, that was it, right? That was it for the email questions. Okay. So uh, you said we might have some tweets. We have a few tweets. Um, if do you want to find the tweet from our buddy that? What that que- whatever that question was, or if you know what that question was, we can address it because I don't know what he's talking about. But um, okay, all right, all right. So Andrew has a decent enough question. Um, uh, I'm gonna paraphrase it because I'm not gonna go scroll back through my Twitter feed to find it. But basically, he wants to know why there's the imbalance um, between so who the USC and UCLA schools get in terms of the Washington and Oregon slate. So every year. Um, USC and UCLA either get both of the state schools or both of the major, you know, the 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 better schools. Is that what you're or, no, <laughs> either the University of Washington or the University of Oregon, and then the opposite years they get uh, Washington State and Oregon State. And historically, obviously, um, Oregon and Washington have been better than Oregon State and Washington State. So it does give an inherent advantage in the years where you get both state schools and an inherent disadvantage, at least in the long run in the year where you get both of the UW and, and uh, Oregon. Um, so it's an interesting question. I don't, uh, my initial answer and the one I probably would stick with the most is I don't think they put much thought into it. Right. Um, and I think there's even a chance that UCLA and USC would prefer it that way because it does set up for like golden years, like the one USC is, would potentially have had this year um, where the things line up correctly, where they don't have to have two challenging, really challenging games against Washington and Oregon. Uh, they get at least one kind of cupcake-ish type game against Oregon State in addition to a challenging game against Washington State. Um, I don't know that for sure, but I, I could totally see that scenario. But I think it's probably more likely that the Pac-12 just didn't show any forethought whatsoever. Yeah, I would think you, would, you wouldn't want to group the two Washington schools and the two Oregon schools I together. He, I think what he was saying was Washington, have Washington and Oregon State to balance it and then have Washington State and Oregon to balance yeah. it on the other side. And, you know, I just don't, like I said, I don't think there's a whole lot of forethought in there. I think they probably would say, don't, 
leave out Oregon and don't leave out Washington, you know, play one from each. But does it matter that it's two states, you know, one state and one whatever? I, yeah, I don't think it matters. We're not avoiding the question. It's like, I'm not saying it's a good question. I'm not saying it's a bad question. I just, I don't know. Um, this is yeah. a much better question for John Wilner. Yeah. He likes to get into and Willard didn't respond to him, so I'm sorry, but, you know, we don't really, uh, we don't really know. Um, Go Dogs 4 said, just got done listening. Shake my head. Give me the best pass rusher off someone's team, and I'm still rolling with Browning. And regarding the fan base, is spot on. So he was smiling. Um, so I guess he, he must be in the minority there. Um, there's a tweet from David David Woods. Oh, that's you. He said, I just listened to a couple of minutes of the Pac-12 podcast on Half Speed, and let me tell you, 10 out of 10 would listen again. We sound blind drunk. Well, that's nice. Have you ever, has everyone out there done this? Have you listened to the podcast on Half Speed? No, I haven't. I've only, I usually we speed sound, things up. We sound lit. <laughs> like we, <laughs> we sound like we're recording it at like 5 in the morning after drinking all day. Like all day into the night. We're both tired and drunk. It sounds incredible. I recommend it. Nice. If you can listen to two hours of podcasts on half speed, if you have that kind of time, I strongly recommend. It. Nice. Um, and right after you tweeted that, we got a follow from uh, a Danielle Avari. Mm-hmm. She's like from the UCLA Cheer Squad. Was she like a bro person? Did she like? Do- yeah, yeah. She she did some work for us um, doing video interviews. Nice. Uh, yeah, she's really good. She does a. She actually does a little Twitter show. Um, that's pretty funny. So I recommend giving Danielle a follow. All right. There. Check it out. Um, Salt Lamp, Sean Gannon, too, said, OSU working hard to keep that number 12 Pac-12 podcast ranking. Uh, yeah, there's, I mean, it would take a, it would take an act. Of, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen to get them out of the, the basement, but probably not happening. Uh, Matthew DeCoste, uh, so we tweeted out, uh, I think I retweeted, uh, Ryan Gorsey that Cal had 54 total yards of offense at one point. So they, they lost nearly that much on the field goal attempt. It was pretty ugly, like the Cal Twitter at, during the game, if you watched any of that. Um, it wasn't very good. Um, you tweeted, Utah without Tyler Huntley is like every Utah team for the, the last six years. With, with Huntley whispers, they'd be the South favorite. And Jason Phillips says, I've had enough. Deletes Pac-12 podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought that was good. But he gave a little yeah. fight on, so I think he's a... I think he's a USD fan, so he did. I think that, I think that's probably correct. Yeah, I think that's probably correct. I, I wonder which fan base will succumb to the trolling quicker: Washington on your break, Jake Browning stuff, or just USC in general on having to listen to me. <laughs> I think having to listen to me talk about anything. I'm usually pretty like pro. Like I'm usually the one picking UCLA or think, thinking they're going to do better than you are. Like you, you definitely troll UCLA more than I, I do. I'm generally just pretty, pretty trolly. On <laughs> I, I'm an. Equal, I think that's why people stick with it because I'm an equal opportunity troll. Like I'm, I'm probably the harshest about UCLA among any of these teams. And sometimes when we, the teams we cover, like me declaring I'm never going to pick USC to cover again. I mean, I see it all the time, and I'm just like, I, I'm not seeing what I saw last year. They were getting better. Last year, even though they started one and three, they no, got... they're getting the same. They're the same. They're yeah. the same. They they were tied with Western Michigan in the fourth quarter. Like this is the same team it's been all year. Yeah, it hasn't got better, so that's why I'm not picking them. But they're they're favored in all these games, and they're not covering these games. So until they kind of turn things around, I'm not going to do that. But I don't I don't think I troll USC like you kind of troll UCLA. But I you know I'm not going to yeah. like play favorites or whatever. But I troll. 
control everybody. Dude, we went over the two-hour mark again. We got to stop this. Well, no, but I think we did good on our early stuff. We had breaking news we had to talk about because yep. Gary Anderson yep. walked out of his job and $12 million, which is still <laughs> strange. But um, but we are at two hours. Yeah. Right? And a lot of it was the questions, though. So it's great that we're getting lots of questions. Um, actually kind of, I, I learned a lesson on my regular podcast. I kind of tried to teach people to send shorter questions and more concise. And then I got these people writing in saying, do you hate questions? You know, I'm like, no, no, I just want to make it better. So I don't say that anymore. So just like send whatever you want. You so know. reach out, reach out people out there. Um, if, if this is just too long, like looking, looking at this at all in your iTunes store is just like, oh man, I'm not even going to touch that one because it's two hours long. Let us know because we can shorten this thing. We can we can you know split some questions up. We can review the questions beforehand and only pick out the winners. Uh, but my feeling is generally when I look at podcasts, I don't care what the length is because I'm going to listen to it over several, you know, car trips anyway. So I don't really care how long it is um, as long as it's interesting and decent stuff. Which I you know I'm not going to say this always is, but sometimes it is. So if if you feel like it's just too oppressive and you wouldn't even touch it if it was two hours let us know and if you feel like it's completely fine and you want even more let us know we're not going to go over two hours much beyond that but if, if you think this is fine let us know we, yeah we need to but we probably should say it at the beginning because if if it's not fine they're not listening. <laughs> they're, they're not only listening. people who will have gotten this far <laughs> it's the confirmation bias thing <laughs> exactly. uh, the only people who've gotten this far is uh maybe we'll throw that in the tweet like hey it's another two hours let us know yeah um, cool. All right. Well, Dave, I guess we should probably shut this down because. Yeah. I think they're going to kill the lights on us pretty soon. We have, we have lives to go tend to. Um, all right. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed it. I mean, let us know. Give us your feedback. Thanks for sending in the questions. We do appreciate those. We want to read them all and play all the voicemails. That makes it a lot more fun when we get interaction from all of you. So that's David Woods. I am Ryan Abraham. Thanks for tuning in and we will talk to you next time.